Welcome, welcome, everyone. This is Kingdom in Context. I'm Sean, and I, I want to help. Uh, thank you for showing up for this wonderful conversation we're going to have tonight about Babylon and Revelation. There's so much to talk about. A lot of people have questions, so we've got some wonderful guests going to join me tonight, and we're going to deep dive into some of those questions as much as as you can handle, as much as we can handle. We may even take a couple of questions from the audience throughout the show. So um, just put your your questions in all capitalization in the live chat if you are, um, or if you're watching this afterwards later. If I have time, I'll try to answer as many questions as I can. Put them in the comments below, guys. As you saw. Um, check out our contextual study guide. The link is in the video description below. If you guys want to be a part of that, it's on my Patreon. You get early access as I'm going through the books of Scripture and completing those over the next several months. And you can actually have early access before we do a final publishing of the entirety of the collection. So um, the video, the description is where you'll find links to that if you want uh, to get involved with that. And otherwise, guys, I'm excited to get into this conversation tonight. So without further ado, I want to welcome... Uh, my brother Wes Blaze from West Blaze Music. Shalom, man. What's happening? Hey, welcome, Wes. Good to see you. Thank and we you want to welcome me. Jason Lindgren from Secrets of Saturn. Welcome, Jason. Oh. Hey there, welcome. We also have Marley Eugene of his self-titled channel. Welcome, brother. Shalom, fam. How y'all doing? Doing great. Good to have you tonight. And then also Mike Maranatha of his self-titled channel. Welcome as well gonna try to take you off mute here can't can't take you off mute Keep, that was me mute. sorry there hello everybody <laughs> howdy, howdy. welcome welcome guys okay so um as i invited everybody on tonight i just wanted to get everyone's um input on these these topics babylon and revelation because there's babylon is mentioned in revelation but it's not the only place in scripture it's mentioned uh, there's a long-standing history of this particular name of Babylon, and it's uh, and how its tentacles reach out as an empire throughout the world, throughout history. And Revelation has a lot to say on it, and so does some other books. So I just figure we can get into it. Um, if anyone has any topics that they want to bring out first, or a question about Revelation they want to bring out first, we can jump into that as well. Cool. Cool. Okay, I'll start that off. I have an idea. <laughs> So you were on with Wayne McCroy and myself a few weeks ago, and uh, we never really actually got into Revelation itself, but that's okay. Uh, do you personally feel, or anybody else who wants to jump in here, that we're actually seeing that starting to play out right now? Because the bad guys, as we know, uh, whether they actually follow the Bible literally or spiritually, they do use it to, like a playbook, I think is safe to say. And uh they know what's up. They know that there's a realm. This is interesting because there's like the transhumanists right, right above us. They're the ones that want to live forever and, and all this technology, all that crazy crap. But above them, the true elites, they know that there's a real spirituality to things, except that they're on the opposite side of all of us trying to actually, you know, help people. So anyway, do you guys feel that we're actually seeing those events start to occur now? I guess I would ask which specific events, just Babylon's place in revelation the the events of revelation as a whole well let's talk about that let's let's break that down i mean we got a couple hours here right so are we in america or maybe even western culture if you want to expand it out a little bit are we in babylon do you think guys because just to, so the audience knows i am not a bible scholar in any way shape or form but i am very studied in transhumanism and the elite and all that kind of stuff uh the work that i do on my little channel, Secrets of Saturn, but on the bigger work that we do with Crow Triple Seven Radio, we get into this stuff a lot. And I've looked into the bad guys a whole lot. 
So that's yeah, valuable. We talked about the bad guys on your show last time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, let's start with that. Do you think that we, as in the Western nations, the Western culture, do you think that that's Babylon? And if so, can you explain it? Because I, as I said, I'm not a Bible scholar, so I want to learn from this conversation as well. What's up, Mike? Mike, did you raise your hand? I, uh, I, I really want to talk. I did. I, uh, am I, am I mute? No. Okay. I, uh, man, this topic right here about, uh, the Americas is really important to me right now because I've been, I've been studying a lot of esoterica, uh, over the last year and a half from Manly P. Hall to William Cooper to, uh, a book from the eighties called Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which is Knights Templar, Rosicrucians, uh, and so I've listened a lot to Manly Hall, which he is a, he's an occultist. He, I think he was from the early, early 1900s, like around the 1950s, uh, was doing a lot of stuff, a lot of lectures and teachings. And, uh, I read the books of his, like, uh, the secret destiny of America. And he, it's a very interesting book. And it's strange because I find myself tempted to agree with a lot of these things in these uh, uh, occult works for some reason. Just logically, they make sense to me. And um, so in Secret Secret Destiny of America, basically, he puts out that the Americas have been inhabited for for a long, long, long time, right? The, from the Mare Indians, from the all the way down to South America to Mexico to United the United States and into Canada, Nova Scotia. Um, he believes that they were contacted way before uh, uh, Columbus came here. And, and I'm talking mm -hmm. like even mm -hmm. in uh, BC by the Greeks and, and, uh, and other, other cultures throughout time, right? And then you have the American Indian uh, religions like, you know, Quetzalcoatl and, and uh, these feathered serpents who, uh, who came over and brought uh, – knowledge and civilization to them. But anyways, in regards to the mystery of religions, he believes that uh, that the utopia of uh, a free society that it, even back in the days of like Plato and, and Plutarch and these people, they had always known about the Americas existing. And they had always mm -hmm. known that this would be the place where this utopia would be birthed from. And and so they had already started this free society, like uh, with the with the uh, the Mayas and and the, uh, and the Olmecs, I think, right? Uh, and and so these people were uh, they were not it was not a monarchy. These people were voted in, and supposedly they hold the world record for peace. Five hundred years, I believe, uh, uh, the Mayas held uh, no with no wars. Um. Anyways, so I'm very curious as to where does the Americas fit in into this uh, biblical narrative of the end times because, you know, some people so, over here, they, they, they over they over exaggerate and we're the we are the focus now of revelation in America. A lot of Americans believe that way. Other people, they, they look at, the, you know, the world as, as a whole, you know, you got Europe and Africa and and China and Russia, but a lot of people are just so focused on America. But 
the more I realize about how mystery religions uh, really like have a focus for this, and, and they and they believe that out of America would birth a, a worldwide commonwealth. So, so what does anybody ha have anything to help me understand where America actually fits in? Well, should we start with who founded uh, as far as the United States is concerned? I mean, uh, other countries have different histories, of course, but I think most people know that uh, Freemasons, for predominantly anyway, started the United States. I, th I think everybody's pretty well aware of that, right? And Well, according to Manly P. Hall, it wasn't it specifically Freemasons. It was more so Francis Bacon. And, uh, and uh, the mystery religions like... Uh, well, that's isn't Freemasonry Free, just a, a Freemasonry recruiter for is. mystery religion? Right, yeah. right. So, well, Bacon would have been before that anyway. He was earlier. Right. No. Right. Right. So, while that's not necessarily uh, not true, the people who are actually involved with the actual setting up of the country, I'm talking like 1700s, uh, so, well, we were Franklin, 1760s, 1770s. Right. And I was going to get to that. Like Franklin, for instance, is is very well known to have danced with the devil under the pale moonlight. I mean, he just he made no bones of hiding anything like his his nonsense with the with the Hellfire Club and all that. So these are the people who set up this country for better or for worse. So then, what do you guys make of uh? So I so Sean, I I don't remember which one of your videos it was. I'm trying to catch up, man. I've got so much going on. It's okay, there's a lot. Uh, but um, so one of the things that I found extremely interesting uh in one of your last videos um regarding Babylon was. Was it Thomas Jefferson's letter to John Adams? I didn't cover uh, that. No. Hmm. Oh, okay, okay. It might not have been you. It might have been a different video. But there's a there's a letter where John Adams is corresponding with uh, Thomas Jefferson. This is in the library of Harvard, and um, he's they're basically having a discussion about the Jesuit order. And when I read that letter, it kind of it kind of threw me for a loop because I think so oftentimes when we get into uh, conversations about secret societies and uh, Freemasons and and just the, the entire hierarchical construct of this uh, like skull and bones uh, style um, societal constructs that exist, we 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 tend to conflate all of them. Like everybody's on the same page and everybody's doing the same thing for everybody and everybody knows who everybody is. But when I read, you know, what I'm saying when I read that, though, it, it threw me for a loop because I do hear a lot of dialogue about, you know, Freemasons starting America and they're all part of the same clique type deal. I didn't get that vibe, though, when I read that letter. And so I, I wanted to see if anybody on the panel maybe had any, any information. I look like Mike is ready. I, Mike is ready tonight. I, <laughs> well, so so if anybody should I retitle the show me. tonight, guys, to the Hidden America? <laughs> no, well, no, I, I mean, I'm just. Are we gonna kick you back and off sure. with? Okay, go ahead. So I might ahead, I might be wrong here, but uh, I uh, I believe that in Jefferson's time there was uh there were divisions going on. There was an anti Masonic party, I believe. Masonic. Uh, yeah. uh, going on right in afterwards though, the the anti Masonic party came around a few decades afterwards. Was it after Jefferson? I, I thought yeah, but I they were been during his time. They were aware. Uh, of what was going on, but but for instance, George Washington, very proud Mason, 
uh, as right. well. Right, absolutely. A huge number of them. But as far as the actual anti-Masonic party, yeah, that was into the 1800s. But that doesn't that doesn't uh, change the point about what what's being said about uh, the Jesuit order. The Jesuit order by that point had already been going into countries and right. completely doing political destabilization. Like people knew that. And yeah. if you, for better or for worse, if you're trying to set up a new country, the last thing you want is a bunch of these guys coming in and destabilizing everything. Absolutely. Because in my opinion, based <laughs> off of all, years and years of research, all roads do, in fact, lead to Rome. And that, Marlowe, is what I did cover in episode 14 of okay. the game Babylon, which was the the, the Jesuits, the Jesuit CIA, and right. how and, they were the literally connected in the, in to the Pope. In their allegiance to the Pope and how it's right. sent to other countries to destabilize. They also, so there's, there's a lot of information I did get to cover in that particular episode because I don't have time, that they also I had a whole list of all the different countries that they had built their schools and um, training centers for like college age and high school age children because, you know, it's like they're grooming them in this thought process and then they can pluck from those groups of kids in all these different countries to find people they want to induct and then further raise in their system of political espionage. Basically, that's all it boils down to. And so, so there were a lot of countries that were getting infiltrated by the 17th, 18th century. But this had started back in the 16th century in the 1500s, where they were did this mass, mass push to go into multiple different countries and were getting kicked out of multiple different countries because they were like too obvious. Yeah, <laughs> they, were, so now, they were too obvious. Yeah. yeah. So so now this 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 Jesuit um, Jesuit Roman uh, papal type uh, entity, um, would you say that that is like an evolution of Babylonian practices? And, and that would be the reason why you kind of oh, it's, covered it's that in the, the video? Priesthood. Yeah, it's the priesthood. Okay. So, so, so that being said then, right, if we're having a conversation about how America started in with Freemasons, and if the Freemasons aren't on the same page as the Jesuits, then I don't know how relevant the founding fathers of America being Freemasons would be with regards to America possibly being Babylon. Well, Jason, if I'm not mistaken, help me if you if you know about this, but I, I read a long time ago that the Masons weren't always what they are today. And apparently mm. in the beginning, they start out a little more pure, noble, but then they got kind of taken over. That's the way I understand it. Yeah. Now, secret societies in general, if we want to like go way back in time, yeah. seem to have started, and this is just uh, kind of a broad stroke, but this is the way I've always taken it. Most secret societies, if not all secret societies, uh, as far as the ones you'd, you'd, we know about today, started because they were trying to protect knowledge. Things like such as geometry and things that like the average peasant way back when and I'm, t and I'm talking thousands of years ago wouldn't know or understand so these things that they were coming up with for the first time ever were very protected and it kind of stepped out from there so some people with with maybe not the best of intentions might know things about astronomy or things like that that uh, they could use to predict things that, that the peasants might not even come close to to knowing how to do so that's where it seems to have started but Here's the weird thing. There's always been a spiritual component to it. And as we all know, the Freemasons draw heavily from a lot of Egyptian everything, mm -hmm. like everything about the Egyptian. I actually got to go into once. I'm not a Freemason, but I got to go into a temple once. And after all these years of looking at this stuff, everything was exactly where it's supposed to be. So as somebody who was a non-Freemason attending a uh, funeral service, a remembrance service or whatever they called it, uh, I was like, oh, wow, they actually do this. I didn't know that they would actually let uh, the profane in there as they as they think of us. And I was like, OK, I've, I've studied all this stuff. Is this actually right? And I walked in and yes, indeed, everything was exactly where I thought it would be. And it does indeed draw heavily from from the Egyptian. Do they have like a table 
that's reminiscent of a showbread table and an altar and a yeah did it have that kind of setup yeah it had the checkerboard floor it had like if you've seen the traditional square i guess you would call it and there were let me think this is seven years ago now i'm starting to forget but um had like benches on benches or bleachers whatever you want to say on two sides for folks to sit on uh but then over like kind of more in the it was pretty large room uh for being a small place it had the checkerboard floor and then it had the two the the yakim and boaz the obelisks or or the penis of osiris whatever you want to I don't know how much mm -hmm. detail you want me to go in. I've, I've looked this stuff up. By the way, Mike, you yeah, mentioned we're, something. We're not on Rockfan, just to let you guys know. <laughs> we're not on Rockfan? We're, we're not. We're, on, we're just on YouTube tonight. So so I will be careful with what I say so I don't get your channel pulled because I know things that could do that. Uh, <laughs> but, Mike, you mentioned uh, Bill Cooper earlier. <laughs> if anybody is not familiar with Bill Cooper, he did a 42 or 43, something like that, episode series called Mystery Babylon. You, if you are not, are not familiar, listen to that in order. Do not skip around. Go in order. Bill did a great service to humanity by that series. Um, but I would I'd love to check that out. I never knew about that. Yeah, that was in the early 90s, like 93, 94-ish. And uh, he he go he. the reason why I'm telling you to do it in order is because he builds from one episode to the next. So if you skip around, you might be like, what the hell is he talking about? Sounds but like you in Babylon. Right. Facts. <laughs> yeah. And... and uh, Bill had some issues early on. He was kind of into the crazy UFO shit, but he got over it and then became more of like a, a hey, let's save America kind of guy, at least as far as I can tell. I mean, is, and, and, and Pale Horse, he uh, he says a lot of crazy stuff in there about aliens, but he does make, he, does. he admits he admits in that book that, that the things that he saw in the military could have been shown to him on purpose to yeah. set him on that that alien track right so he said it's 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 highly possible that the things that i shown that were shown were uh not true not real they were just deceptions in order to uh what's put, to spread misinformation right that's very uh, possible yeah uh, that's he, part he of their saw, that well that's what, that's, the, that's what he says in pale horse is that is that because he saw a lot of stuff uh in the navy and he was uh, right, right, right. a yeah, high-ranking intelligence in officer yeah, he was he was a naval intelligence officer. He saw what's called a USO or, a, or an unidentified submersible object or like a UFO in the water. Basically, he saw it. He reported right. it. And that's kind of what springboarded that. But uh, as everyone knows, you don't know with the intelligence community. They mess with people a lot. Sometimes they just it will. Hey, here's a useful idiot. Let's tell him something stupid and they'll go out and spread it to a bazillion people. And Bill Cooper in the 80s did say a lot of stupid shit to a lot of people at UFO conferences. <laughs> you can actually go and find some of those. But later on, what's interesting is in the 90s, which is the stuff that I found uh, quite, a, quite a long time ago now, actually, he was speaking out against that stuff saying, hey, this is deception. Watch out. Uh, but anyway, I, I didn't mean to sidetrack. So to get back to the... Um, to the Masonic side of it. Yeah. It, what I saw was they had the checkerboard floor. They had the little altar with the book on it. Now what's interesting about the Freemasons are you have to have a spiritual belief. It doesn't necessarily have to be Christianity per se, but if you don't believe in a God, like if you're not open to spirituality, you're not getting in. And I, I'm talking about even at the porch Mason level, which is like your first, second, third degrees in your, in your blue lodge or right. your mother lodge, all that They're They're not having it. Like you have to be spiritual. And that tells me a lot right there. Uh, they they are very deceptive even to their own so like you don't start finding out crazy shit that like you're swearing blood oaths to lucifer until like now i i can't attest to this because obviously I'm, I'm not a freemason 
But like from what I've read from people who've spilled the beans, you don't start hearing about stuff like that till about the 30th degree. You have to be a 32nd degree to fulfill the Scottish rite. And then there's an honorary 33rd degree, which uh, is kind of, they kind of like headhunt you at that point And they take you to the 33, 33rd degree temple in Washington, DC. And at that point, I think, see, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I think a lot of the stuff with Freemasonic accusations is kind of silly. People just see Freemasonic signs, they automatically go bonkers, thinking like it's 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 the worst thing ever. Most Freemasons don't know diddly about diddly about diddly. They just they're completely clue, clueless and they're lied to. Right. It's um, part of their compartmentalization. Is it's, it's, it's like everything. Yeah. Exactly. It's how everything works. It works through massive compartmentalization. So even like I would a, say a it's 16, a pyramid scheme. Yeah. It's well, a, it's it, a filtering. It's a filtering process. You know, they have. Yeah. They have all these people, and they and they they're judging they're judging their their members, and and the people who are, uh, what they're looking for are the ones who rise right. So and and yeah. then the rest of them they just let them stay down low. Yeah, it's just a good old boys club, and and they do some good work, like they will do charity work and things like that. So I always tell people, don't get hung up on the Freemason thing. Like just because you see a lodge in your town doesn't mean that they're in there sacrificing children to Baal or something like that. I mean, that's not happening. Chances, like, chances are there is one in your town. Uh, <laughs> there there almost, there certainly there. is one in your town. So <laughs> you let me ask this. One. Yeah. So, so let me ask this, right? Because we know that these conversations can go for hours, right? Well, I've seen so many YouTubes about secret societies and stuff like that. And you can have a five hour conversation about this stuff without bringing up one Bible verse, but for an individual like me, right? So my calibration is as such, right? I'm gonna start off with the text and then I'm gonna build whatever my disposition is from there. And if I don't have very specific language to attach my disposition to, um, I keep it in mind Right. But I'm very hesitant to bring it up in conjunction with scripture. Right. And so when people are saying things like, uh, well, you know, is America Babylon or, or Freemasons or Jesuits and stuff like that for someone such as myself, the moment you say Babylon, I'm going to go get my Bible app. I'm going to type B Babylon in and whatever verses pop up, I'm going to see the likelihood or, or how much of what you've said seems to coincide with what I'm reading. Right. Now, when we're talking about the Babylon in Revelation, yeah. Uh, what is it in there that makes you feel that America might potentially be Babylon the Great? Like, what is there? Is there any language in Revelation that makes you feel that, or is it anywhere scripturally that that kind of causes you to make that connection? Who are you addressing I, the question to? To the fa whole family, okay. but primary. But I, I don't. With, with, I don't. So I bow out of okay. this answer. Okay, so with Jason, um, I would agree that there's 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 likely some some really scary stuff going on with to, with the secret societies, but as far as the how how would you put it, um, what connection that has with Babylon the Great in Revelation, um, we still have all our work ahead of us because we have to figure out what's causing us to make that connection. So, is there anything that you personally have seen that that causes you to to do that? You you are Mike. All right. Well, as far as Bible verses, that's I'm not the guy for that. I have read Revelation, but I'm not somebody who can quote quote verse and all that. So maybe Sean can interject because I know Understood. he knows that stuff. But I can tell you that the people who are behind everything are there's some bad people. And uh, 
let's oh man we're on youtube <laughs> glad i remembered that um <laughs> there are things going on right now that you can get for free that are not necessarily the best thing in the world for you and that i personally oh i understand my opinion <laughs> uh follows into this thing that was very popular at the beginning of the 20th century known as eugenics and mm -hmm. uh, if i use enough buzzwords without yeah. saying it hopefully people will figure out what the hell i'm talking about and they'll be able to figure it out for themselves well i got it <laughs> yeah in fact I, remember Rockfin, actually... I would just i would tell you in detail what exactly yeah. i think is going on at the turn of the 20th century there was um high, hotly contested debate over that same pharmacia topic and mm -hmm. it there's actually books being written there's people coming out protesting against the introduction of uh these serums that they were calling snake oil and uh poison straight up just calling them poisons and uh and i think that's still a apt description in my opinion um mm -hmm. i actually have <laughs> I, have, I have the uh the axe damage um X minus the V damage in my arm um, from when I, I took a booster when I was a young kid and I was like partially paralyzed for a while on my upper half of my body and my arm and it left kind of like this blood scar on my right bicep. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I, boosters are good for you, boys and girls. All right. That's right. And yeah, we're talking about booster seats that you put underneath kids at pizza, <laughs> you know, the pizza right. place, uh, with the tablecloth that looks like uh, Marlo's. Doesn't it Hank, suck Marlo's that we have to do this? <laughs> oh my God. I got used to Rockfin where Bro, I would just say whatever the hell I wanted. Crazy, yeah, this is crazy. It is crazy. But this yeah. is the time we live in. And it's this crazy, is exactly. Bro. So to answer that first question that was asked about 10 minutes ago, which was, I think Mike may, or Marlo may have asked me, Mike may have asked me about, you know, do I, what do I feel is America part of Babylon or is America the Babylon mentioned revelation? I, and I, I just wanted to know, I just wanted to know because I don't think America is Babylon. No. I just want to know okay. like where, where is America where in this, in this scenario? You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think it's this one is of the, a giant experiment that took place. You know what I'm saying? They call well, it, it is. a giant experiment. Yeah. As far as I understood, it's intended to be the phoenix that gets destroyed and rebirthed. Mm -hmm. um, so there's they have longstanding plans for this. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, people always ask me on my channel, you know, do you, do you think, like Jason just asked at the very beginning of the show, do you think we're in Revelation right now? And I always tell people, I think at least another 50 to 70 years, uh, because of the things I see in scripture mentioned, and then because of the way I look at society as much as I can through the filter of media to see what's out there, what's, what's prominent in the culture. Um, and I don't base it off of, because I, I don't base it off of how much technology has been presented to the mainstream culture. I base it off of, the mainstream culture's behavior, because to me, that's the indicator Yeshua told us to look for, the lawlessness that people's hearts will go cold as a result. So regardless of how much technology is, I think they've always had advanced tech, by the way, if you yeah, see my agreed. Babylon series. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so I don't think that's our barometer. I think a lot of people like to use the trend, even though I fully talk about transhumanism and, and all its advancements and or quote unquote advancements, all its deceptive news press releases about what they're so-called doing. Um, and what they claim they can achieve, I just don't. I don't think that's a red herring, if you will, because it's more about degradation of the culture, so they can then receive the deception that's coming, because they don't have any actual moral fiber to stand on, and so they're they're easily deceived, right? That's um, what uh, Al Albert Pike uh, wrote that in his um, what he how the Third World War, I guess, is supposed to be initiated. That's exactly how he said it was supposed to be initiated. Al Albert Pike is supposed to be like 
the Freemason of Freemasons. And you right, know, right. he's the guy that in the 1800s, I guess, wrote how the two world war. But yeah, so on his third world war, which is supposed to be the last thing, it's exactly what you said. Like society gets so degraded through, um, I believe he a said. The introduction of atheism. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a war I between the Islamic state, the Islamic state and, and Zionism destroys itself. Christianity mm -hmm. gets destroyed and yep. they all accept Luc the, the Lucifer <laughs> doctrine. Idea, I think the, the technology, the technology being in the hands of the elite all this time is different in comparison to when it was given into the hands of the profane of the masses, because that, that's what has corrupted morality, in my opinion, like at least a high percentage of the degradation of morality within society is due to technology. Are you sure? Well, I think I, I would say so. I would say so. Because I mean, I can it, take it, al a, it I allows can take a for propagation of ideas. It it, it allows mm -hmm. for. Uh, well, wouldn't it be about the user though? I mean, as opposed to like, um, instead of a blanket, a blanket on on all members of the mankind with technology. Because like I'm using technology right now. It's my dedicated purpose every day to get out the gospel of the kingdom of God, to share the hope of the resurrection with people. Both or, I use both my tablet, my cell phone, the lights, the camera. So I mean, you know, I I I do hear what you're saying. It definitely expedites in the wrong with the wrong push because we see the media twists for the push of technology to not only in my opinion, this is my opinion, but they're using the technology to enclose the trap further, but also to get people addicted to it, get them further distracted so they don't see the the spider web closing in. Yep. But there, but you know, there are people that are out there that are trying to use technology for the good. I mean, I'm literally a part of Lighthouse. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Always view I'm not saying the technology is evil and that it's actually the computer that corrupts. It's the it's the it's the fact that these ideals are so easily transmitted through it. And that's why you have TikTok yeah. and you have all of these millions of young females out there just uh, degrading themselves uh, and, and like being filled with vanity and and and, and the men on the you other hand filled with lust. <laughs> then you have then you have, yeah, and then and then the uh, the ideas that are pushed through it, you know, and the propaganda. When I was younger, before TikTok, before you know, because I'm an old dude, I'm probably the oldest guy on this panel. Um, so I went to a Hooters when I was in Bible college, and I, I went to a Hooters one night and took my Bible in with me, and and ordered my food and set the Bible on the table and started reading it, not not looking at a single girl, right? And the waitress was like, she was like disturbed right because they're used to getting the detention right they're used uh, to getting, gotcha, gotcha. you know they're trying to play up for that tip and you know and they're they're watching just dudes gawking the whole time right but i'm just sitting there reading that bible and that turned into like an hour and a half conversation of this girl sitting down with me and reading the bible with me oh and cool yeah she's in her hooters outfit right but i didn't care i mean i'm not saying i was impervious to you know an attractive woman i'm just saying like I, I, it was like, I'm ornery like that. Like I do experiments intentionally like that. And that was an experiment for me was like, what would happen instead of giving them what they're used to? What happens if I just go in there and start reading the Bible? That's the, <laughs> yeah. So, she um, she had, you know, she had left, um, moved out of her family's house or she had grown up Christian, but it, what I noticed, and this is one of the, not this particular specific story, but this general premise of what I'm about to say about this girl um, is what led me to, you know, one of the reasons to start my channel, which is this girl just had questions that her parents could never answer. And there even though she was raised in a Christian family, 
she she had a good heart she wanted to believe right obviously like mike is talking about she's caught up in the, the deceptions of this world and what the world's telling her she needs to go put on these short shorts and do hula hoops in the middle of hooters and get tips you know what i'm saying but at the same time when it came to having a real conversation with her about the bible she was interested and she just had basic questions you know and it was like what would happen if those basic questions got answered before she got hired at hooters you know i mean she, was she even applied you know so um, I do agree on on a definitely on a cultural rot level, Mike. That that technology can expedite that cultural rot for sure. It's if like it's pointed like a gun. Yeah, it's like the teachings of the Watchers, right? A lot of the I was going to say that's God and Enoch, right? Are yeah. are default like benign, right? Isn't that the word, right? That they don't have really one way or the other, but they can be used either way for great catastrophe or or good. Yeah, yeah, it can. Now it seems like uh, like. Uh, first thing 69 talks about the, the watchers that, you know, they intentionally, they intentionally were trying to use these tools to, to trick mankind, to see mankind. And then once they had yeah. their children, then they taught the same practices to their children. Then their children were starting to be worshiped as gods, uh, which what, you know, the Greeks referred to as the demigods. And then they, then they became brutal authoritarian enslaving you know what yeah. i'm saying don't get me yeah. wrong they definitely had malicious intent with their teaching Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 no i, I didn't think you were i was just right i'm just kind of going through the thoughts the as well as my head is because it's like it's the same enemy because you know azazel was that only angel that didn't get locked up in enoch and he's still out after the flood so then it's it shouldn't surprise us that we see those same uh deceptions being perpetrated after the flood as well and it gets centralized with this emerging new one world, one nation, one tribe, whatever or, you want to call it, you know, thing of Babylon that got started a couple hundred years after the flood, uh, which I think is interesting. Like I've tried to show my Babylon series, like they were already worshiping Jupiter. They, the priests of Jupiter showed up at Babylon to help build the city and the tower. So it's like they already had their false religions established, which was the what you know Noah talks about in Jubilee chapter 10, like the unclean spirits were already deceiving his sons and mm. grandsons and causing them to walk in lawlessness and unrighteousness. And a part of that was picking up the ways of the watchers, which was idolatry and human sacrifice and, you know, incantations and charms and enchantments and things like that. So, uh, and all the things that go with it, which some of those things are a little more subtle than others. Like, okay, so you guys know that we see, cause, cause revelation 17, 18 talks about the, you know, the, the, the sorcery and the witchcraft of Babylon. So, you know, like in in a stereotypical movie or TV show, you see them doing, you know, like a we'll do a spell, right? And they'll do mm -hmm. something, and and it looks very obvious. And they have to like go through a ceremony and arrange some things on the right in the right way on the floor and speak these right words. And that's that. I don't I don't know magic. I, I don't study it or practice it. But like that seems to be the that like the the showman stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that seems to be on what it is. Yeah, I agree, Jason. Yeah, some like, of it is intent, and yeah, um, the severity of what. But it seems yeah, like, the, like the I'm not true... into it either. But I've looked at a lot of it. Okay. Um, but when I look at our media today, and I look at you know the deceptions being perpetrated over multiple countries, um, I see like a deeper, more subtle form of magic being employed. And I know Absolutely. you know Owen Benjamin talks about this a lot, right? But it's this idea of just it's not it's not openly trying to throw some sort of, you know, uh, chopped up hair and pig that's been cooked right. and, and throw some kind of potion on you while they say some sort of incantation, but more like it's just a slow, continual progression of deception that's being fed to you in a way that you receive. And it's like this subtle form of magic that, so that, that is 
Disney, basically. That, <laughs> just, <laughs> that, that reminds me also, because there's a lot of brothers and sisters in the community who, you know, if, if, if you take a painkiller, you know, you're, you're worshiping Satan because that's pharmacia. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask the, the panel today, like, okay, so where, where do you guys stand with the idea of pharmacia? Because one of the arguments from a lot of people in, in the Torah community would be, well, you know, um, any pharmaceutical grade medicine is part of this Babylonian deception and spell. It, it comes across as medicine, yeah, on the surface, but really what it is, is sorcery. So where do you guys stand with things like that? Real, real quick before we jump into this answer. Hi, Rose is here tonight watching. Welcome, Rose. Um, she's asking, she's, she's scared of the word Azazel because we, we used that earlier. <laughs> remember, you guys remember that movie with like Denzel Washington Fallen where the, the demon would jump from person to person? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, it was like late 90s. Well, Azazel is um, one of the agent, excuse me, angels of uh, the Book of Enoch, but you right. probably know more than I do about that. I just know where it comes yeah. from. Yeah, Rose, just the, the angel is one of the characters in Enoch that is... Um, He's the one that I think in chapter nine that the creator says, ascribe all sin to Azazel and he's going to get a different punishment than the other 200 because he didn't actually take a wife and start having Nephilim babies. So he, he's the one that didn't get locked up uh, forever. Uh, his judgment was proclaimed, but we don't see that actually carried out until Revelation chapter 20, verse one, when Messiah returns and the kingdom begins on the earth. So this is why throughout the rest of scripture from Genesis six, all the way to Revelation 20, we have the the Satan character is the one that's called Azazel, and he's the one that's still, as Second Peter says, he's still out roaming like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Um, and he's the one in Revelation twelve seventeen that is making war against those who keep the commandments of God and the testimony of of Jesus Christ. So he this this um, by the way, that movie is super fake. Demons don't jump to people that quickly and that fast. So I wouldn't be worried or scared about that. But ultimately, uh, so go ahead, Mike. Yeah, uh, Azazel is also the leader of the unclean spirits. Uh, in the in um, Noah's day, right? The uh, the unclean spirits were uh, <clears throat> messing with the sons, basically, you know, corrupting them, causing them uh, pain, and 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 leading them astray and all kinds of things. But they also cause disease. And I think in the book of Jubilees. There is a book that was given from the angels. No, actually from Azazel, I believe, to by request of Noah to, to Yah, he asked for uh, how to combat these, these unclean spirits and these diseases. And, and Yah made Azazel write down a book and Azazel, give him. Oh, well, well uh, just, it was the Satan, though, wasn't it? No, it the, the watchers, um, the one narrating the book of, of Jubilees is the one who gives them the book of medicines to counteract the diseases of the unclean spirits. So it was but an what angel they do, that gave the book yeah, to it's, them? Yeah, it's the angel that's narrating the book of Jubilees. Okay, yeah. right. Well, it was, so it was a righteous angel anyways. But he gave a book of medicine uh, to combat the diseases of the unclean spirits. So and that goes back to Marlo uh, about the medicine. Where do we stand on that? I would say that medicine is good, uh, but there are, obviously medicine has become corrupted in uh, right. in in some forms. You know, if you you watch the commercials on TV about all the side effects these things are having, right. and, you know. <clears throat> so, but but like but like penicillin. Penicillin is a naturally occurring uh, uh, antibiotic, right? And, and it saves millions <clears throat> of lives. So I would say that penicillin is a great thing, 
right? It's noteworthy to mention here that in that book of medicines you were just referring to, it was so that he might heal them with the herbs of the earth, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, not the not whatever, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Those things. Not not a spike protein or not a mRNA manipulation, but um, simply just the herbs of the earth. And that's what Correct. people are actually finding in the last six to 12 months. They're just finding natural, natural ways to combat the, the things that they're, they're being lied about too. So yeah, that's um, that I'm sorry, Marla, what was your, your full question again? I apologize. It, 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 well, it, it's kind of touched on, right? Because um, depending on how, how, how should I say, depending on how, uh, um, sticking to the text your perspective is right like okay i'm only going to use herbs for my diseases and whatnot if spagyrix is actually the um the medicine of herbal extraction and making medicines just from that uh, about as far from pharmacia as you could possibly be what what uh can you repeat that because i didn't know what you spagyrix, uh, okay. also known as the alchemy of the plant world but it is the way of taking herbs like if, if someone was trying to make extracts or tinctures or things like that, uh, purely from mother earth to help cure or, or help the body or something like that. Uh, the general term for it is called spagyrics. I, I know a couple of people mm -hmm. who do phenomenal jobs of doing things and, uh, they do indeed do amazing. Thanks things. for that information. That's a made up word. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a, a very strong proponent of, you know, proper diet, getting preserve getting uh preservatives and all and all the bad stuff out of your diet because i do believe that a lot of the ailments that we experience are because of how we eat the toxins in the air and whatnot Bingo. and so there's a there's a variety of ways right but however there's st you're i still deal with that kick that kickback right of well what if what if a brother has a mental illness or what if a brother has you know our brother or sister has anxiety issues and they're on zoloft or something like that right well, depending on who you're dealing with, that you know your, your subsequent impending response might be something like, you know, any pill that's an herb, not an herb, is pharmacia. How ac how accurate do you think that a statement like that is? Do you think that because I do believe that the medical industrial complex clearly is clearly corrupted? How corrupted though <laughs> is it? Is it is it that corrupted that every single thing that they might prescribe somebody would be considered uh, pharmacias? Do you For think? the most part, yes. That doesn't yeah. mean that there aren't things out there they can help. Like, but the predominance of what the pharmaceutical industry does, and I'm trying to say this carefully since we're just on YouTube, the predominance of what they do is treat symptoms, not cure diseases. If you cure a disease, you'd no longer Great. have a customer. And uh, that's not the order of the day, is it? <laughs> so. and, and Marlo, it's also maybe depending on what state you're in. Because if you're in Colorado, you may have a doctor that says, oh, go down to Livewell and get you some of that good green. True. And then uh, you may, you may <laughs> not need a Xanax. But hey, the, the, the right, good green, though, the good green, the good green for epilepsy. Like I've it's heard so many, so many stories about C CBD oil on people who are epileptic and, and like shutting, right. shutting down seizures in children. So like, right. and that goes back to this, you know, healing with the herbs. I'm not saying go out and uh, toke it up, you know, <laughs> until, you, until you can't see straight. But I'm saying like, no, no, I, I've interviewed the man who is attached, whose name is attached to a lot of the uh, the oil and all that. And his name is Rick Simpson. I interviewed him years ago. And yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, these things can do wondrous things if done properly. 
it's not for the point of just having a, a good time hanging out with your friends. It's it, the whole point is that it, my problem is I can't have even a little bit or I'm, I'm done for days. So like, well, I that, can't even, if I was prescribed, even it, medicinally though, you, you have to deal with that. Like you might have, yeah. for instance, a friend of ours who, who administers this a lot, uh, he's in Michigan. Uh, his wife was going to die and oh, really? she didn't like the high from it, but mm -hmm. It was, it was literally like, do you want to die or do you want to do this? So he stayed with her while she was being administered the oil uh, yeah. until she got through it. And guess what? She's still alive today. That was years ago. So My it's, goodness, like, it is what it is. I could like, you know how in movies they get people like more morphine. So they die peacefully. Oh yeah. Like if they're, yeah. if they're in a war zone or whatever, I just need right. someone just to lean over and blow some weed smoke in my face as I'm dying. <laughs> and I'm just going to, I'm going to fly away. <laughs> as, I, as, I, as my soul flies away oh man <laughs> like i'm such a lightweight it's crazy um what's up let's let's play what are you saying i didn't say anything i'm just uh wondering where this conversation is going <laughs> no, no, we're, well, it's we're deep because about, we're, we're we're talking yeah, about yeah, the yeah, sorceries yeah. we're talking about yeah. the pharmacy and exactly. the sorceries of babylon and and the question is is okay well is it going to be something really, really blatant where everybody's standing outside with a Ouija board and everybody's doing that? Or is it something subtle? Right. And so one of the questions that I've always had, because I've seen this come up in um, different uh, Torah observant Facebook groups, is what are the parameters of, of pharmacia? Right. I also would, wouldn't put it past the food industry. Right. We know they're kind of intertwined to a degree. The first thing that comes to my mind is that if if an ingredient or a substance has a long list of negative, severe side effects, potentially even that in and of that's itself, a good indication. if it has a long list to begin with, that's probably not food. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a good indication that that's not real medicine, you know, or um, food. Yeah, or food. Yeah, both. Now, let's let's um let's be real for a second. The uh, what's going on right now is partially uh, and a whole lot to do with the pharmaceutical industry because they're making bank right now. And I'm trying to, again, watch my words, how I say this, but uh, how many people do you see walking around with things on their faces? Hmm. Uh, this is the pharmaceutical industry uh, and an extension of that casting a spell over hmm. pretty much the entire world. And the people who have given in to said problem uh, are having worse problems a lot of times because we get a lot of people from the inside uh, in the medical industry who report to us what's really going on. And I assure you, there's a lot more problems than uh, are being let on about. Mm. I think that's so just for the viewer. Right? I just want to put this on screen, guys. We are talking about Revelation right now uh, because we have on screen, this is that famous verse in Revelation 18, 23. That uh, at the end of this verse, for the merchants were the great ones of the earth, because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. You're being pointing back to the idea of Babylon being spoken to um, in this passage, in this whole chapter, actually. But the idea is, if we look up this word sorcery in the Greek, this is where people um, have realized that it actually is the use of the word at the very bottom here, um, pharmakia. So this is... This is the idea that people, it's not just, again, we, we're not, like I was saying, it's not like this, you know, uh, bewitched from the 1960s where someone's like twinkling a little bell sound and they're doing some sort of and spinning a circle and casting a spell on you. That's not the kind of source. We're talking about a more subtle form of sorcery that's called pharmakia. And can you click is, it and open yeah. up the word? And so when you look at this word and its definition, it's the use of medicine, drugs, or spells, and they're intimately connected. And so this is where... 
I, you know, I just, how do we get this information out to more people that taken a manipulation of, of these drug concepts, even if they're FDA approved, um, hmm. it's, it's just going to further put you into their control. This is literally why it, in that passage, it says the nations were deceived by your deception, but that they were deceived with deception of this type of sorcery. So um, it makes sense because, you know, like I've tried to talk about my Vesca Babylon series, you know, that some of the practices of Babylon have been consistent since way back. And one of those practices was at these temples that worship Baal and Moloch and all these other gods, there was alcohol and drug use involved. Mm. It was a part of the partying. And it was actually a part of the carousing, uh, which in the book of Exodus chapter 32, it, it is the word in the Hebrew that's generically translated for the word play. Uh, like when they built the, the calf, the molten calf, and they were worshiping it at the base of the mountain and Moses runs down there. And then um, Moses is told, hey, they've built a calf, they're sacrificed to it. And, you know, the people had 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 their feast and then they got up to play. Where you look up that Hebrew word, it's the word carousing, so sexually carousing. Because oh, this man. was a part of these feasts was to get drunk. Other drugs were involved. There was mass fornication that would start to happen. Um, and that was in addition to the sacrifices that had either had taken place or about to take place. So it was... Um, it, all these practices are synonymous with worshiping and being deceived by the practices of Babylon. Um, and I, I'm using this Babylon term like over-encompassing. Obviously, right. like we talked about earlier, it came from the, the watchers, these rebellious group of angels that were initially they were sent to the earth to help mankind. That's the crazy part. Jubilees 4.15 right. tells you that they were sent to the earth to actually teach mankind right behavior. But then when they got here, they saw some some shorties and they were like, hey, this girl right. looks pretty good. And, you know, look at this girl. And then they were right. like, okay. So they started abusing their position and then took wives, had children. And then like, you know, West Plays and I kind of jokingly theorized, is it possible that they, you know, once, once they fell into their sin and their transgression of their righteous behavior as angels, which what they were supposed to be, they then were like, all right, well, let's just get all of mankind to join in our behavior and, you know, mm. Maybe our punishment will be less if we if we like deceive all these people and get them to do it with us. You know what I mean? So because they like, like the Bible describes this idea that the angels are like a priesthood. They are a priesthood and they're sent to the earth to help mankind learn right behavior. So like and in the Bible's eyes, mankind is the focus of all of creation. All these heavenly angels and the multiple layers of the firmament above us were created on day one with the focus of us. Like they're, minister. they're ministering servants. Yeah. Ministering servants to come help us do what's right. We're, we're little brother that's being trained up and older brother abused his position, stole our girlfriend and started corrupting little brother. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's horrible what happened. Um, and so I, but when I, when I go after the flood, after those angels were locked up and Azazel's young one left out, he gets control over these unclean spirits and starts deceiving mankind after the flood. Well, that all converged in this really epic moment called you know the the building of the city and the tower of babel where it became kind of like a centralized empire for the first time ruling over mm. many different um families at the time so they i don't know if they were technically tribes yet or you know i don't want to get into the semantics of that word but um if they were ruling over many different families and only after that event when the babylon was destroyed by the judgment of god were those families then speaking different languages and then mm -hmm. became individualized nations mm -hmm. so when that happened, Babylon didn't lose control. And this is the part that I think a lot of people don't realize. 
it, it wasn't like, oh, okay, so we're just gonna we're gonna stop now. We're just gonna go do something else. No, they kept control. They just went to different nations and different languages. They put on different outfits to appeal to different people groups, and they continued the same practices throughout all these nations, and just 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 like today, right? Just like you see the same practices of communist Russia happening in China, in Vietnam, South American countries being as pushed on America as hard as possible in the last 30 years uh, because it's the same practices of a political system, which is actually also Babylonian um, of, of suppression and um, subjugation that is shared by multiple countries. Right. And so in a similar sense, this is where this empire of Babylon, like we see all the ways up until the days of Daniel um, ruling over 127 different provinces, guys, that's, that's huge. I know it's not saying like, it's not saying like this little country just west of of Israel that's that was called Assyria had 127 different segregated provinces in it. No, it's talking about other nations. So it was. It's. I'm sorry. Go ahead, West Place. Oh, I was just going to ask: Are we to believe the um, modern narrative that modern Iraq is that ancient Babylon? Because what you just said, you know, lends to the idea that that kingdom was spread through, you know much larger land masses than those common borders we see today. So is, is Iraq in, in modernity, is that a part of where that Babylonian empire started? Supposedly that's the general vicinity. That's just what we read. If you search it on Google, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. Can we prove that? Mm, maybe archeologists could do a better job of saying that. Right. But, uh, uh, and that's where I would be getting that from. Saddam Hussein was fascinated with the actual geographical location of Iraq, which is, uh, which is nothing anymore. It's a wasteland. Um, (laughs) And it's not really, it actually is the fulfillment of it. What's that? Right. In scripture. Yeah. Yeah. It was prophesied to to never be inhabited again. And in a general sense, it's not inhabited again. I mean, there was a palace built there by Saddam and there's been a few people that live in the, in the area, but it's not, the great kingdom and city I would once was whose walls were 60 feet high having chariot races on the top of it. There are also a lot of rumors of artifacts being removed from Iraq uh, in the yes. 2003-2004 era. Yes. Uh, that's yeah. va- uh, that's true. Well, you know, uh, is it Fallujah? A lot of people don't realize that Fallujah yeah. is ancient Nineveh in the Bible. And that's mm-hmm. where, if you go in and you look at uh, the Iraq War 2003-2005, you, you can go online, you can see soldiers who had posted pictures of them going into Fallujah and mm. the actual ancient gates of Nineveh with the huge lions with wings were still there. But since then, since 2011, they've all been demolished and destroyed. Mm. <sighs> Man. Yeah. Well, that's what I want you to know history. Facts. Right. No, that's, that's Facts. I think that's a good that's a good uh, segue into uh, something that um I've been I've been trying to decipher, like, you know, when I'm when I'm trying to build an eschatological timeline, if I'm, if, if it's, if it's hype, Mike, he's frozen up right now. I just let him know. Okay. Okay. Um, if, if it's hyper influenced by the new Testament, I see Rome, I see all the arguments that, that people make about the West and America and the Freemasons and all that stuff. I, I see why they feels that those arguments and those dispositions might be, you know, biblically accurate, right? That the the antichrist is going to come from the papacy and stuff like that. A lot of the stuff that we were discussing when I had the discussion on argumentum. 
But when my, my eschatological timeline is influenced by the Tanakh, I see a lot more Middle Eastern movement going on when I'm looking at Ezekiel, right? Um, and so, you know, and, and when I'm looking at Nebuchadnezzar's statue, I'm looking at the four beasts, there's so much going on. And so, and it's, it, it's described in a variety of different ways that the effort to place everything in its proper chronological timeline and then figure out who is who in the end, because we're not using the terms Edom anymore. We're not using the terms Mount, you know, like the terms that are used in the Tanakh to describe different people groups and stuff like that. Yeah, so people so, always ask who's Gog and Magog. We just got done asking, okay, well, what is modern day Babylon? Because they don't call it Babylon anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, who do you guys think that Babylon is? Do you think it's a, do you think it's a city? Do you think it's a, uh, a country? Do you think, do you think it's more of a, um, what if it's more of a movement as a, do you think it's a movement? Do you think it's something more metaphorical? Where do you and guys stand with that? Babylon is trying to take over what was yes. America and they're trying to destroy what was here because I see that happening, whether it's Babylon or not. I certainly see a movement making very great strides into demolishing what was. Sure. I think there's a mother of Babylon and a daughter of Babylon, isn't there? That's that's the way I would read. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, so I agree that it's it it was an ancient city. Um, it it uh, it definitely is a movement. Like I was talking about, the practices of Babylon are perpetuated throughout all the countries through deception, through um, things that are that are pushed against the creator's behavior. Yeah. Um, so, and this has of course been perpetuated by the priesthood, which is the Catholic Church for so long now, uh, which is it's, that's why I've jokingly said the Catholic system. Uh, for 17, 1800 years has been the, uh, just a big troll on humanity mm. uh, because they basically are taking all the trappings of the faith and everything connected to the creator and his son. And then they're just twisting all of it with bad theology that doesn't match up to what the creator has actually said. And so, and this, I mean, you can trace some of this theology at West Blaze and I just traced back some of this theology last night on our program. Uh, concerning the eternal conscious torment and hell concept. Um, and so you can see that they're just pulling over from the Greeks and the Roma beliefs, which was Babylon. I mean, guys, you know, the, the Greeks 300 years before Yeshua's day, Alexander the Great conquered all the all the region and the empire that was considered Babylon. And then he went, or excuse me, the, the Greek empire, he conquered all those regions to India. And then he went into Babylon in Assyria and actually declared that the capital of his empire. Hmm. I don't think people kind of forget that in history <laughs> that you're like, wait a minute, like, why is this Greek dude trying to go make the capital of his empire over in Assyria? Like, that's not his homeland. He doesn't know people there. Bigger, bigger chance to get taken over in opposition. Harder to create trade lines, you know, like all this. But no, that's not not when it's not when you're all changing power within the same group of rulers over the same empire that's always been this is what like 300 years before yeshua is 300 years after the days of artaxerxes during the days of ezra mm -hmm. so he ruled over 127 different provinces from ethiopia to india just like mm -hmm. alexander the great mm -hmm. and you're like well wait a minute this this whole area is just changing hands you know and so because they're all worshiping the same false gods they're all in the same clique if you will mm -hmm. um, and they're all the rulers uh you know that it's like I, I don't doubt that these rulers of ancient days had their own version of a G8 summit. 
you know, where they all got <laughs> hey, together, facts. you know, and they are like, all right, well, we're going to hang out and, and talk about things um, and figure out how we're going to rule our people and, you know, most efficiently. And because ultimately you did have some rogue areas outside of the Babylonian empire, like the Chinese um, who were not a part of it. As far as I can tell, they have a longstanding hmm. history of being their own little uh, kingdoms that they, but they feuded with themselves and the Japanese and the Koreans, you know, and they had their own dramas and everything and the Mongols. But um, ultimately the Babylonian empire, since the days of Nimrod going forward to the Romans, as far as an established territorial region, it wasn't just a single city. In fact, a lot of people don't realize during the, from the days of Jonah, um, hundred years around the times of Jonah, the, the capital of Babylon changed from Nineveh to actual Babylon. I remember you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. You remember, yeah, we talked about that at one point. So little stuff like that. Um, whereas well, it, it is a city, but it, it is a geography like, like, um, uh, Jason's saying it is a practice of deception perpetrated mm -hmm. on as many peoples as far reaching as it can go, because that particular, uh, deception and practices that they push on people, it like we talked about at the beginning, it degrades the culture mm. and makes them more susceptible to being taken over and oppressed. And this is why Yahweh comes in saying, hey, if you just do my behavior, it'll make you strong. You'll be blessed and not cursed. You'll be the head, Word. not the tail. You'll be the borrower, not the lender. You will not have all these sicknesses and diseases like the nations around you. You'll be healthy. I will. You'll be protected and I'll strengthen. You know what I'm saying? Like, Facts. So he's asking people constantly to do his covenant behavior. But here comes Babylon constantly getting out of the people's business. They don't leave people alone. That's the that's the they like I call them a troll. This is what first Enoch, I think it's chapter 91. Um, it's talking about the righteous being persecuted, and it says, like, they just want to go somewhere where the unrighteous will just leave them alone. You know, <laughs> and this is Facts, what we, yo. we right, that's why we, what we hear right. today, right? Yeah, that's why we be moving out of the state so that we moving in. So, hey, but Wes, real quick. So the mother and the daughter, break that down for me. So you okay. said that you would you would you felt that there is a mother Babylon and a daughter Babylon. Yeah. Enlightening. Yeah. So just as the father has a Jerusalem on the earth. <laughs> I can't uh yeah, so I'll say what I can. There's the uh the Jerusalem on the earth and then Paul calls in Galatians 4.26, the, the mother above, Jerusalem above, which would be the new Jerusalem. Um, in a similar fashion, the enemy has mimicked what the father has designed. With there being a daughter Babylon on earth, and then there's a mother Babylon. Do you, uh, do you think that maybe the mother is the, the actual landmass and that the daughter could be the people? I, that's not that, how I, I've I've come to interpret it just in light of some information that that it's all good. Yeah, because I'm just yeah. asking. I'm just asking. I'm gonna it almost sounds like that the mother would be what came before and the daughter is what's going on now. Well, it's interesting because Mother Babylon is what we're talking about in Revelation chapter 18. That's prophesied at the end of days when Yeshua returns, Mother Babylon Facts. is destroyed, right? Facts. So we still see that it's an operation in some regard. And what we're trying to decipher and talk about, it, is it an actual kingdom? Is it just a specific city? Is it a city yet to be built on the, on the earth somewhere? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to talk about Neom. It's going to be five times the size of New York City or whatever, because mm -hmm. um, they just got money to burn. But yeah. is that it? I don't know. But all I know is there's this interesting passage here in, in Yeshua's lifetime where 
If you guys give me just a minute, I'll read this real quick. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So this is the second temptation, right? Mm-hmm. He goes. To, he's taken to the, temp, the top of the temple. The devil says to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, who command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up your lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, guys, I, what I love about this this little temptation here is he's actually misquoting the Bible. The Satan is actually quoting the scriptures of Psalm ninety one out of context. This is you know I'm kingdom in context, right? So like right, I, right. This, <laughs> this is what the this, the Satan does all the time, right? He's always taking he's getting people to believe you know, snippets of the scripture, but out of context right. and you, and you just get your way off in the ditch. Right. Talk to him. Doesn't it almost Verse, seem like the devil is being portrayed here is kind of on the pathetic side. Well, he, yeah, he loses these, this encounter and all three tests. Um, but there's other scriptures where he's done that and men have not fallen for his nonsense and he loses in those regards too. So, and you're not wrong, Jason, he's really not as powerful as no, a lot of people no. have given it's, him it's the just picture on, of. Yeah, like looking right. at it from what he's saying, it's like, well, right. you're basically bullshitting. <laughs> yeah, and in James 4.4, 4, we're told, you know, if you submit yourself to God, resist the devil. Excuse me, he James 4.7. You res- submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and Satan will flee from you. So like he, he and the reason why I always say this is because Satan is like, he's like an attorney. He's like a cowardly attorney or a cowardly prosecutor um, to the point where he's trying to get you to trip up and incriminate yourself. But the moment that you don't, he has to leave the courtroom because he got nothing. Because if he actually attacks you, then he's transgressed the law, the eternal holy law that permeates throughout all of creation, heaven and earth, and he would face judgment. So he skirts around deceiving people by getting you to do the action, right? He doesn't take anyone's hand and cause you to go out and kidnap somebody intentionally, right? He, he He gets mankind to be deceived and do the things he's right. subtle, right? He's, I mean, this is exactly what happened in the garden with Eve. He got her to do the, the bad thing. He didn't like grab Eve's chin and start forcing the apple in her mouth. Right. So this is where, uh, he's, that he's a coward. I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to, I'm not, he's trying smart, to, but he's far, far, far from all powerful by any, no, means, he's not, you know? he's not. So just make a core comparison because that's exactly what both sides do. In fact, mm-hmm. they, they take the, the things that's presented, but try to present it from their side to win. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's the truth. And here it's clear, just as you said, that the devil is taking words and twisting them to get what he wants or it wants, however you want to look at that. But the truth is the truth. And that's that. Yeah. And this is, this is interesting here because this is Satan actually takes, um, you know, he, he recognizes who Yeshua is to the point where he reveals himself to Yeshua. But what he does with, with these three temptations is fascinating because the first one, he's just like, all right, you're hungry. Make some bread. You can do it. You got the power. And mm-hmm. she was like, nah, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to abuse my power. I'm not going to do that. Second one's like, all right, well, I'm going to take you to the temple, throw yourself down. You, you know, he'll, he'll send his angels to help you. Then you won't quoting Psalm 91 out of context. And actually Psalm 91 is about Yeshua's second coming, not his first coming. It's about when he returns with powerful angels and starts defeating Satan and his minions and how this is that's when he won't be ever there won't the angels will be protecting him he won't be able to be destroyed mm-hmm. verse 8 again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory now in the book of mark or i think it's luke 
Luke or Mark, this passage, it says he showed them all the kingdoms in the, of the world at a glance. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is, let me try to actually go there real quick. Because this passage has troubled scholars and pastors for a long, long time. Because they're, they're trying to figure out like, yeah, Luke 4, 5. Luke 10, 18. Oh, well, no, I'm sorry, no, we're not, not. Yeah. And it says the devil took him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. That's right. All right. So a lot of people like to say, oh, it's just a vision, right? He's showing them a vision, showing them all the kingdoms. Because, you know, they, especially these, these pastors who still think we live on a ball. So they're like, well, of course he couldn't have shown him Australia from the Middle East. So he showed him a vision, all the kingdoms of the world at, in a glance, or the farthest reaches of India or whatever. Even in well, the first we, century AD, there's more yeah. kingdoms than could have been seen. Right, right, right. Even from the tallest mountain in the Middle East or even from the, ta- the tallest mountain in the world, you can't see all the kings at a glance. It's physically impossible. Uh, just even on a on a flat stationary plane, it's physically impossible due to the actual atmosphere that would build up as well as you know, the way your eyes works. And yeah. You can't see so far. So that's where people, regardless of what model of cosmology you believe, uh, the shape of the land that you live on, it, they always fall back to this idea, well, it must have been a vision, right? To show them all the kingdoms of the world at one time on this very high mountain. Or he took them to Mother Babylon. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah, I know, right? So let me read the rest of the passage, and then I'll, I'll take some questions, because this is my, I, again, people can disagree, but this is my understanding. Okay. So we go into, he says that, um, and the devil said to him, so after he took him to the, to the, the high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, all this power I will give you and the glory of them for that is delivered to me and to whomever I will give it. And if you therefore will worship me, all shall be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him only you shall serve. So. Then, yeah, that's um, Sean, I don't know this uh, from the biblical text. What power is, is Satan or the devil supposed to actually have that he could possibly grant to somebody? And why would he want to grant it to anybody in the first place? Well, we, we see him give the kingdoms of, well, through deception, he receives power from those who are allegiant to him, the kings of the earth. And through and he gives that authority to the beast in Revelation 13 uh, to rule. And that's why it says the world worships after the dragon. But then the first beast gets all the authority of the dragon given to him by the dragon. So it's the same concept here. Of course, obviously, Yeshua didn't fall for that. Um, it's a deception. It's a false dichotomy anyway. But what's interesting here in Matthew, after he goes to this uh, to this tall mountain and Jesus rejects his offer, in verse 10, it says, Then Jesus said to him, get, get away from me, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So a lot of people never ask, why did angels show up in this moment? I just did. (laughs) Why, though? Well, after 40 days and 40 nights, I think uh, a human body might be struggling a little bit. Right? So you think that's what a lot of people say, right? Well, he was hungry, right? So I'm like, okay, well, so what? Is this the end of that? Is this the end of it? So this is at the end of 40 days and 40 nights. And this is, so now he's just, Wherever he is, he's just going to grab some food immediately. How does he get down from this high mountain? Where is this high mountain? And and does mountain just mean what we in modernity think of as this land feature? 
because from my understanding, mountain can be synonymous with a kingdom. Hmm. So I'm going to pull something up real quick. And, uh, I'm going to, this is, we're, we're getting a preview of episode or part 20 tonight. Yeah. I'm, I'm my bad, man. I'm not trying to have you, uh, it, it was inevitable. <laughs> yeah, hit, hit him with the spoilers. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's inevitable, but I'm going to go into greater depth when we get to the actual episode, That'll but I'm just giving you guys a quick something to chew on to consider. Cause it's, it's, I can tell already you guys have no clue what I'm talking about. Um, and that's okay. That's, I'm going to try to give you a quick brief. Let me just pull this up real quick. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. So do you guys remember this? I'm going to make it larger so everyone can see it. So you guys remember part five? Mount my investigating Babylon series. You guys remember yes. that? It was a long time ago. Talk about Olympus, home of the gods. So I, I go over for an entire hour and 28 or hour probably of the teaching to, to show that the ancient world spoke emphatically about the gods living in the sky and a piece of land. That's exactly the video that I sent y'all before you had mm -hmm, the, uh, mm -hmm. the Babylon discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Reason. R-E-S-I-N, -R -E I think it was called. The city. Well, that's that's a speculation as far as what possibly if it's being mentioned in Genesis 10, that's the one I gotcha. think it's referencing. But ultimately, what I try to stress from the very first part of Investigating Babylon was that um, Babylon was not just a tower. It was a city. And there's other things that were built in addition to just this big tall tower. And the whole purpose of the tall tower, they knew they believed they were in a biblical model of cosmology. They knew there was a firmament over them and they were trying to get through heaven to the to the firmament to get through it, to go attack God and take over his authority. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why they were essentially the I mean, this is a simplified term, but the, the Tower of Babel was just a big ladder. It was just a big way to progressively get higher to get to the firmaments. Obviously, they weren't going to do it. They weren't going to accomplish it, in my opinion. I think the firmament is yeah, much, much taller. I agree. Months. If the Book of Jubilees is correct, then they they only accomplished about a mile and a half worth of building at the tower, right? Which still is very tall. We've never replicated that in modernity, but right. at the same time, right. um, they built more than just a tower, and that's the what part people glaze over in Genesis eleven and Jubilees uh, ten, is that it was it was more than that tower. They were building other things with it, and they had forty plus years to do this. All the mankind had come together at this point with this right. one construction project you can get a lot done in 40 years right facts so this is where the ancient indian culture that i've i've tried to keep talking about over and over and over in my investigation the flying series, saucers and all that yeah they had all kinds of tech all then. types of tech bro and they had some of that tech which we see uh replicated with the uh with the vimanas is what we would in modern times replicate uh with the Tel Aviv uh, University demonstrated in 2012 at a science expo. It's called quantum levitation, mm. quantum locking. And basically, it's a way that you can actually create an anti-gravity effect. And you anti -gravity. can do it on a, Right. Yeah, no, right. <laughs> you can do it on a small level. You can do it on a big level. It just depends on how you manipulate it. And it depends on you know how much material you're working with. So all the ancients, like I tried to show in that video, part five, they all talked about... A, literally a place in the sky where Zeus and all the other gods hung out their home. 
Olympus. And they call it Mount, Mount Olympus, right? Mount. Mountain Olympus. Hmm. Wasn't just a big mountain in Greece. I know that modern day textbooks will try to say, well, would they think Mount Olympus is over in this island in the Greeks? And you're like, no, that's okay. So Mike, you have a question. Yeah. All right. So you said they were able to build all this in 40 years, right? At this time. Jubilees does. I, okay. I right. Well, so at, at this time, when they start building it, how many people are on the earth because it's not so much far away from Noah, right? So it's literally the descendants of Noah that are doing this. So how how many people are inhabiting the place and how many people are working on this, according to Jubilees, for 40 years? Because, I mean, it, it would Jubilees have to be... It doesn't say the number of people that were alive through that day, but it does say... Um, that if you do the math, it's several hundred years after the flood. So you've got time for them to populate greatly. See, <laughs> I've, about... heard, I've heard some lame, some lame things about this. And they talk about every child was, uh, was uh, twins and triplets. And um, just the fertility was just like, unlike anything you've ever seen before. And these people were able to amass millions of people. And it's just like to me that seems really that. stretched. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I'm well, not saying I don't. I'm just saying that it sounds like people are trying to force an idea. Well, we have the same example in Goshen. The time, but by the time 75 people went down into Goshen during the days of Jacob, until a couple, 300, 200, 300 years later, you've got almost 1.75 to approximately two million people coming out. Jews in Egypt, in Egypt. Yeah, during the story of the Exodus. Okay. Well, see, you know, they, you I, like, like I said, counting of numbers. Well, think about Genesis chapter ten. All the boys that it lists off being born to Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they're having seven, eight kids at a time. So if their kids had seven, eight kids at a time, and their kids had seven, you know, I mean, you, the so so was there was there was it not monogamous? Were they having multiple wives? If you're saying they're having seven, eight kids no. at a time. No, no, I mean, like in their lifespan, like the, the the kids recorded in Genesis 10 to the different, you know, descendants of Noah, there's multi, there's seven to eight kids being born per per descendant. And people so, supposedly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Too. Yeah, I was going to say, and their right. yeah, the health was different. Yeah, For what it's worth, different. there's a text that, you know, it could contain some historical accuracies. It talks about Nimrod assembling uh, his princes and subjects, about 700,000 men. Hmm. And um, so that's Jasher for you, but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah another I, question I is, is, I thought it was good when it, when it comes to, when it comes to the building of the tower. So once they get so high up, right. What a, the text says that they shoot arrows in. The oh man. Heavens. That, so that is Jasher. If, they have all this technology and they're and they're trying to wage war. Why are they shooting? Why are they shooting? Oh, that's Jasher. Yeah, I apologize, brother. You're cutting why, out. Really if they have, bad. if they if they're um, trying to wage right now. war against really these rows, into the we got to hit him on a private chat. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, it's okay, man. I, I hear what yeah, you're asking. You don't have to repeat it. And that's why you don't hear me quoting from Jasher that often or at all, hardly, because um, I've it's not the 
it's not the original Jasher, as far as I've been able to find from textual manuscript. And I'm trying not to give away some Honor of Kings episodes coming up either. But um, ultimately, Jasher talks about a lot of things that are inconsistent with the rest of the scriptures, including Enoch and Jubilees. And mm -hmm. uh, that is one of the things in Jasher that makes you raise an eyebrow because you're like, all right, you know, clearly like they, they had a ton of text talking about how they had advanced tech. Just even if you don't believe in Vimanas, which are a documented thing, just the idea to build a, a building at a mile and a half tall, ask an engineer that requires a higher level of knowledge, intellect, and, you know, building material technology that we just or they can't even replicate today. Or if we can replicate today, they haven't, they haven't maybe? done it. Wait, right, exactly. We've lost you. <laughs> Jason, I can only see your top of your head. We've lost uh, your main head. There you go. <laughs> my I'm sorry. I brought the microphone out of the way. It's, it's my right. bad for bringing up Jasher, but it is just, you know, it said no, something in reference to what. Yeah, I'm looking, what forward, he... I'm looking forward to that, uh, to um, you and Ken uh, tapping into Jasher, because I've heard a lot of people uh, who tap into Jasher, and it's when, when you tap it, I mean, you know that whatever scrolls you consider divinely inspired are, are going to have a tremendous effect on your theology right i mean just look at what the book of first enoch has done for us right if, if for a variety of different things and i know people who believe that jasher is uh divinely inspired i'm not necessarily i don't i don't have too much of a perspective i think it's got some interesting things in there but um I'm, yeah i'm curious to see uh how you guys unpack that that's going to be interesting but maybe you may just not like it <laughs> I don't. I, like I said, I don't have a dog in the fight. So yeah. we'll like see. It. We'll see how people react. But um, ultimately, there is a there is a lot of ancient texts that talk about, and I'm going to be covering this in the next few episodes of my Vesca Babylon series that talk about the um, their you know the, they not only had technology, but they had multiple um, small and large habitations in the air. Mm -hmm. Not just flying machinery crafts, but flying like land masses, land masses that they lived on, and that and and this guys is predictive programmed in all forms of media today. And think no about the Avengers. What's the what are the all, Avengers? We're talking about even in Dragon Ball Z, guys. It's yeah. In oh, yeah, that's right, Namek. That's mm. right. It's in everything, man. It's it's in movies. It's in media. It's in video games. It's in cartoons. <laughs> animations mm -hmm. Elysium is another example halo is another it's all it's there everywhere and and i think that's going to play a role in in the future and that's mm -hmm. what i'm going to be talking about in my episodes is that's why it's called mother babylon and in isaiah you have daughter babylon being talked about the one on the ground the one that's promised to get destroyed never inhabited again but yet mother babylon is still reigning over the kings of the earth up until the day Yeshua returns mm -hmm. So what does so Satan tell Yeshua? Him. He tells hmm. him, take you up here to this mountain. Look at all these kingdoms. Only works on a flat circle stationary earth. And then Yeshua Wait. says, go. Right? Okay. So well, so let then, me, so do you guys feel that, um, how, how did, so how, specifically, what do you think occurred? Do you think Satan grabbed Yeshua with his physical hands and then flew up there? Or, sure. Okay. Sure. That's interesting. Okay. I mean, he's well. That's technically how an angel is described to be, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, there's, there's a, there's a lot we gloss over when we say that, right? Well, it's like, not like it's not like Satan just has cooties and just starts, you know. He's not <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't if I wouldn't let Satan grab me and take me anywhere if I could help it, right? Well, that's you know, why I say we, 
Yeshua could destroy him and probably in any moment. So like, he's not afraid, you know? I, I, I feel you. I feel you. Okay. So in, in revelation, um, would you say that the statement flee from her, my people, that's something more allegorical. You don't believe that that's actually something where people are told to leave a, a particular area. If mother Babylon is this levitating city, Right. That that opens up a cornucopia of 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 more questions where we go back. <laughs> right. We go back to Revelation. What is it? 17. And uh, yeah, let's look at the actual passage you're talking about, because I think the context will help us. Um, OK, so that's in verse four. I'll put this on screen real quick. I love it, Marlo. Yeah. Keep up questions. the questions. Yeah. Oh, it's all good, but that's why I'm here, man. <laughs> I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues for her sins have reached unto heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. So this is the previous context. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen is fallen. I'm, people would say, well, that's a metaphor for a kingdom being destroyed, right? Mm. Or is it? And he cried with mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and hold of every foul spirit and a cage of unclean and hateful bird. I thought all animals were made clean. No. <laughs> for all nations, yeah, Phoenix by chance. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So to me, this is talking about the system of Babylon being perpetrated over the kings of the earth and the, and the nations and the merchants of the earth. So therefore, it can't be a specific geographical central location that he's telling them to flee from in the very next <laughs> verse. Does that make sense? Are there any other words used for Babylon other than Babylon? Like, are there any uh, synonyms, I guess you would call it? I've never call, seen one. I'd say the great and burning mountain. Hey, one of the trumpets, no? Could it be? Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm as far as like the actual Chaldea, name of Babylon. Right? right, a name, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, maybe I should ask a deeper. Is that what you're asking for, Jason? Is like, are you talking about a, a metaphorical synonym or like an actual... Just well, I guess be both because uh, well, the reason why I ask is it, it, in what other contexts could the concept of Babylon be being used, like a, a more literal sense or in a more philosophical sense? And well, I I hear that guys, tell me if I'm reading this wrong. Am I? Well, um, is, is this talking this is, about a Babylon who has control this is good. interaction this, with all the kings this, of the earth and the nations and merchants of the earth? Say that again. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bubba. Is this talking about a Babylon that's a specific? geographical city or is it in this particular passage right here is it talking about a babylon who's had interaction with all the kings of the earth and the merchants of the earth the latter right so this is why i i think that the context of the of the passage tells us what how to interpret the use of the word babylon in this passage yeah, so do you, so when you're looking at the fall of babylon in that chapter are, you're, are you tapping into the bowls of wrath, the last bowl of wrath that's poured out? The, well, did you, my, that that's the, did you see my go ahead, I'm sorry, video? Because uh, I, I got some graphics I can show you. Yeah, let's, let's see those. So this is just my interpretation. If you guys have, you know, you're welcome to share your thoughts as well. But uh, I'll show you my interpretation of the bowls, trumpets, and seals real quick. And I've, you know, I've got them in little charts, so it doesn't take long to show you. So let me just get to that real quick. Is my connection any better? It Sounds, appears to yeah, be for the moment. 
Sounds better. Good. This Welcome back, not, brother. It's not breaking up. Right, We're going to finish some songs soon, guys. We're going to finish some music. Yeah, I'm on man, it. I'm ready. All right. One second, guys. I'm trying to get this to pull up. All right. So. seconds uh oh and that wasn't code for anything jason we actually make music <laughs> <laughs> i do too so. <laughs> right on was the tower destroyed or no yeah it was yes it was destroyed like genesis 11 and jubilee like the, the entire the entirety of it or just portions of it well the city and the tower destroyed but that you know like they're that was the things that are highlighted in the chapter, but there's other things that they're building that the ancient world talks about that they were using and had used and had built as a part so, of the, the kingdom and empire of Babylon. So the city is not a portion of the tower. No, it's differentiated. It's, in, a, it's, in, a, it's um, a separate thing. Okay. Yeah. But both the city and the tower seemingly were destroyed. When I, when I first was presented with this idea, the way I understood it was that, that the the middle and the bottom portions were destroyed and the top of the tower remained up in the sky and i was like man that is really hard to grasp you know sure unless <laughs> unless you see all the ancient people documenting and talking about how the gods lived in piece of land in the sky and they're like oh okay right but that, but but hearing you say that it, it was a sep it wasn't the ta it wasn't the top of the tower that was left floating that it was a separate situation that was built now that makes more sense to me yeah i got you i see what you're saying and i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna show that when i talk about ball top towers in part uh 19 so again i'm just trying to just touch on some things tonight i don't um like i said i i don't want to just go into two full episodes because we don't have time but so what i got on screen here is this is the seals and the different verses that they're mentioned and a lot of people get really confused by the seals because they think that they forget that there's no chapter and verse breaks in the Greek. And so that's, that was English translators that put in those chapters and verses in the Greek. So when you're reading through these passages and you get to that seventh seal in revelation eight, one, and then the very next passage in revelation eight, two, it says that these trumpets were given to these angels, mm -hmm. right? Well, that, that connecting word there in revelation eight, two is this word Kai and um, <laughs> get, Use use the link and get in here, Mikey. That's that's why we gave you, we gave you the link, bro. <laughs> so that's where uh, that's where people forget that the word Kai in, in Greek it means and? and. It doesn't yeah. always mean you know a chronological and now next happens, right? It's not a succinct a successive uh, connector. So this is where he's seeing separate visions, and this is the way I understand it is that he sees the first seven seals. And they go from start to completion over 42 months. And then he sees a separate vision where they're having, sorry, let me get through this. So this happens over 42 months. And then he sees that separate vision starting in Revelation 8-2 where the angels are handed these trumpets and start blowing these trumpets off over a certain amount of time. So right. when you follow the trumpets and you add up all that time, it's also the same 42 months that's happening with the seals. So that the end of the set, the set, you know, the end of the seals is happening at the end of the trumpets as well. So and this is why, the same forty-two month reign of the beast. 
Right. The same Starting 42 months when, when the beast is revealed, this, this uh, character that is given the authority of Satan. It's the same 42 months. So tribulation is only three and a half years, guys. So real quick, uh, um, Revelation 8. Yeah. Is that, let me pull it up because, you know, I'm slow, man. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay. So where do you, where do you place this half an hour of moment of silence? Because in that's verse eight, go ahead, Boba. I'm in, sorry. In Revelation 8, 1, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's at the, that's the moment that this, right before the seventh trumpet's being blown which is the happens on the last day, which is the day that Yeshua returns. And it's also the same day that all these bowls are poured out. So imagine this seventh seal. Cause remember in revelation five, who's opening these seals? Christ. That's right. The lamb. He opens the seal. The lamb. So, there's half, so there's a half an hour of intermediate time. And I don't know if that's because he's putting down the scrolls and getting up, getting on his horse. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if that's what's going on for that 30 minutes. But it's a moment it of silence for the wrath. It seems it seems, right. it seems it seems like the seventh seal is opened. Mm -hmm. Then there was a moment of silence. Mm -hmm. And that either during that moment of silence or after that moment of silence, the trumpets are distributed. I can see I mean, that's the perspective I've always had, and I can right. understand why people would would think that. For me, that, that's what I, I was trying to say is this. Oh, right go here, ahead, Bubba. People will try to this is what people have always classically done, and this is why. I would suggest that we have to remember this, that the Greek connector word is not always, you know, in chronological connection, but that he's seen different visions and piecing them together. And it's only because the translators have put this as the next verse makes you think that it's, it's because they put it in chapter eight and it's the next verse after verse one. So they immediately think, oh, it must be connected. That's the way the English mind looks at these passages. But if you took out all the verses in the chapters and just read it, you would have to immediately. You would I see what forced, you're saying. You'd be forced to decipher. Okay, is this connect? Is this the same vision? Did that? Did the sealed visions end? And now I'm looking at a different vision of these other angels that are given trumpets and they're about to blow their trumpets. So that's what I would suggest people do. Is a challenge to anyone watching that maybe take out the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Well, just the idea of take take the seals, put them together, and add up the time that it's spoken of. Take the trumpets, put them together, add up the time it's spoken of. And then I would suggest all the bowls are happening on the day of the Lord. That's why it's called the bowls of wrath. And the day that Yeshua returns is the called the day of wrath. And it is the wrath of the lamb. That's why the bowl judgments are so severe, all happening on one day. It's a big day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the whole creation is being shook, heaven and earth, all the foundations, everything. And he, the firmament's rolling open. Him and the warrior angels are coming down to fight the kings of the earth, the dragon the beast, the false prophet, all these characters, they're, they're ready to make war against the lamb. And this is why his wrath, and this is why the resurrection is so important in that it happens at that last trumpet, the end of the seven trumpets, which is the initiator in Revelation 11, verse 11, of Yeshua beginning to reign, that he's going to come down and play actually that, at that moment play that shield of zion clip <laughs> <laughs> so revelation 16 um where we're looking at the seventh angel pouring out his bowl into the into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying it is done when the great city is split in verse 19 the great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed God remembered Babylon the Great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. 
How how do you exegete that? This great city in verse 19, are, do you believe that that's the Babylon the Great? Yeah, the great Babylon came in remembrance before God. But in my and right, 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 right. That's what I'm asking. It came in remembrance, but um, it's all, all these nations that are a part of her system are being destroyed on this day. The great city split into three parts. So what city is that? Because it's being split. Whatever it is, it's being split into three parts. Do this, you have any exegete on that? The great city, personally, I think is Jerusalem in this particular passage. Daughter just Jerusalem a, on the ground. A, yeah, just as referenced in Revelation 11 as the great okay. city. Okay. Which is why it differentiates later in the verse to call a, the cities of the nations and then Babylon the Great or the Great Babylon came into remembrance. Because I actually am going to explain how Babylon was already destroyed before this. I think that that I, I don't but I don't think that that is ne so the great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled. See, it really just depends on how you read it. Like, see, if I if I change the modulation of my voice, the great <laughs> cities, you see what I'm saying, though? Sure, sure. So yeah. so I think that I think that that great city, because Babylon the great is also called the great city in Revelation. Right. Where? Um, let's go back to. Is it Revelation 17? 17. Hey, and that's all right. Mike and Jenny, we'll catch you next time, brother. Much love. I'm going to step away for two seconds. I'll be right back, guys. All right. Okay, Bubba. So I believe verse 18, the woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. The woman is the, is the prostitute that's being spoken of from verse one down. That's right. And I think this is the Vatican. Understood. Understood. Yeah. See, here's the thing, people. I frustrate people because I don't have a I don't have a stance yet. Mm -hmm. I, I have some I have some ways that I lean. Yeah. But once again, when I when I'm looking at Ezekiel, the last uh, chapters in Ezekiel, I see a lot going on in the Middle East, mm -hmm. and I don't know how that connects with the Vatican. I haven't figured that out. You've got some people who've got some real interesting exegetes on Second Ezra, and how all that stuff ties together with the Eagle Prophecy and Babylon and Asia are called out by name and stuff like that. But I get confused because, like I said, there's so much going on. And then, you know, we got to talk about Nebuchadnezzar's statue, the legs and the feet. We've got to talk about the fourth beast. We've got to talk about the horn, you know, okay. the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. And so it's. Dan yeah, Daniel is a lot going is, on. Speaks in, in large swath of overviews, whereas Revelation starts getting into some specific details. F facts. So when we go here and we look at this context. That's where I would say that he said unto me, the waters which you saw where the whore sits are people's multitudes, nations, and tongues. So it gives you the translation of what the waters are. It gives you mm -hmm. the translations of who this whore is. She sits upon the beast, and it is this this city whom it's put into the heart of the beast to turn on her and devour her once her purpose is done, basically. So this is why, to me, when the beast shows up, he's going to turn on the Vatican because these, that's, that, like I said, that's been the priesthood, been doing the dirty work all this time for deception, the evil priesthood. But when their purpose is done, that's, you know, the city of seven hills is destroyed. And that's so then that's that's interesting. OK, so but if that's the exegete, then what are, what are we to do with the Mount Olympus concept? Because well, the beast that's not. Go ahead, Bubba. Yeah, that's not the city of seven hills. I agree. So yeah. which is Babylon the Great? Because according to this, this seems like it would fall into the narrative of the city of seven hills. If, if Babylon the Great. Right. Says right there in verse five, the mm -hmm. name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon, the great, the mother of prostitutes. If we're tapping into that to say that that's the mother Babylon. Well, well, OK, so you want to go up to verse or maybe. Five, yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe if if because I don't I don't know where the term right. mother of, of Babylon would be found. I, I'm, I, I don't know. I've never 
written that okay. in my notes. So it's about, it says mystery, Babylon, the great mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Mm-hmm. Now this is who, who's the king of Babylon? Would maybe we should define our terms. Would we agree that the king of Babylon is the beast? I mean, we can say that. I mean, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't explicitly say that, but we could say that. But this, this, uh, female personification of this woman that's called mm-hmm. a whore. She's riding on top of the beast. Facts. Right. And then on her forehead is her allegiance. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like, you know, we're getting the seal on our forehead for our allegiance to Christ. Facts. So it's this is the, the uh, Baphomet concept. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that's why, you know, you've got all this imagery of Baal and Dagon and all that on right. the priesthood of the Catholic priests. Yeah. I think right? their hat is like the, 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 the Pope Dagon. Mitre, the Dagon. Yeah. 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 Dagon's mitre hat. So this is like, I would say that the actual mother Babylon above versus daughter Babylon on the ground below, if we're getting specific on actual cities, I, I don't think it's being referenced. I don't think mother Babylon, as far as a specific, but it's telling you who her allegiance is to. And I would agree with that, that the whore's allegiance is to Mother Babylon the Great, Mother of Harlots, Abominations of the Earth. But mm-hmm. as far as it, then it goes on to explain who she is and what she's responsible for, because it is a ruling, it is, you know, the, the Vatican, like all priesthoods in the, in the ancient world, they were a part of the ruling class, if not the kings of their nations. That was, that was why priesthood was so important in the ancient times. That's why Roman Catholics became the priests that per- that pushed themselves on to, to believers in the first and second century and Understood. started persecuting them to get them to follow their mystery religion of ecumenicalism. Mm. Uh, what's up, Mike? Did you have a question? Yeah. Do y'all care if I do like a little timeline spiel real quick? Because I'm trying to. Well, let me finish answering his question well, real now, quick and then we can okay. just give an example away. Yeah. So what I'm trying just to say, as far as uh, we mentioned this idea about um, the ancient world having tech and having the ability to um, have something actually perpetually in the sky. And even to this day, people struggle to figure out what causes eclipses. Mm, right. Facts. And then when it, when we do see a actual longstanding eclipse whose shadow goes across the entirety of the United States in 2017, it's shadow only is what 70 miles or 200 miles in diameter. It's not, it's not half the, half the globe, right? It's a much smaller object. So this idea that there is a differentiation between the city of the Vatican and its priesthood that is in allegiance to the Babylon, because it came from, you know, the the whole Roman Catholicism uh, came from the empire of Babylon versus the actual physical place of mother Babylon. So there's going to be two different destructions that Revelation talks about. And then I think, well, to answer your question, I think that great city mentioned in Revelation 18 is the same one in Revelation 11 that also is, is New, the ground-based Jerusalem where the two witnesses are prophesying for 42 days, 42 months. Uh, that's what that earthquake hits and splits into three parts. Okay, so you feel that that's literal Jerusalem. Um, yeah, because all that's Rev- getting destroyed anyway. So, but so Revelation 17, you believe that that's the Vatican. Do you believe Revelation 18 is also the Vatican? Or Babylon is. Yeah, when it gets to Revelation 18, that's what I was saying. Very different language. Right, exactly. But see, that's, and that's why I get confused because when I read, like when the, the sea captains, the merchants, and all that, they're weeping that this city got destroyed. That comes across to me that they know that this city exists. 
because they're weeping that it got destroyed, right? And I'm just saying my exegete, my perspective, right? So I don't. If, if my theory holds up, and a thing considered a mountain falls mm -hmm. out of the sky, I think it'd be noticed. It would be noticed, but would people be like, "Oh man, that was my that was my money right there." You see what and I'm saying? That, it seems like that right there ahead, is why I say we have at least another 50 to 70 years. Ah, think about it. Look at okay. all the predictive programming that's in all forms of media for the last Facts. 50 years. What are they doing with every other form of predictive programming that we have already recognized and noticed? They pay it off. They make it come to some sort of payoff for them, whether it's the alien deception, whether Facts. it's the, you know, just pick, pick your, your programming right mm -hmm. they do something with it at some point and when you guys you know when i show you all the programming that you have been watching this whole time and probably never noticed that it they, they're going to make this payoff and it has to do with the arrival of apollyon mm -hmm. what sort what sort of economy do you think will be established if this city is revealed as you know alien or or whatever you know because he said that they'll weep over you know the loss of their the mercantile and all that so so if this well, alien that. city is is revealed what kind of economy are they going to establish you know you know what i'm saying to where people would weep over the loss of it yeah remember it's a point of authority as well because it rules over the merchants of the earth the kings of the earth so if people see their point of authority destroyed they're gonna think that all the all the trickle down is destroyed as well. So the, I'll get, I'll uh, that, get into that verse, it. Very, does it mention something about like, human human trafficking? Does in it? Chapter eighteen, verse twenty. Uh, in chapter so, eighteen. So, so this would probably tie into belief that these sacrifices would be in, reinstated, right? Because I think you believe that it's actually going to get back to. Well, right? they've never stopped. So, what if but, that's the economy is, that's established? Oh, right. I mean, publicly, though, isn't that what you think? That it's going to get so bad that people are going to actually be involved, like on a, on a large scale, it's going to be yeah. known that this is the practice, right? Yes. Yeah. So what if that's the economy that's established? I, I don't. Well, it's already an economy. For, yeah, it's already an economy right now. Um, but as far as you're asking, right. if it becomes public knowledge, how will that affect? I mean, right. to, to billionaires, they're already trafficking in people as it is. So, yep. you know, the people yep. that are a part of that, um, I'm not saying every billionaire is a part of that, but there definitely seems to be synonymous. Um, but, but yeah, so, all these so other... if, if these aliens came and said, this is what you need to be doing, you know, like we're the gods, this is the, this is the true religion, you know, you know, mm -hmm. the Bible's, the Bible's just, uh, you know, it's not real. This is the true religion. And this is how you should practice this religion. You know, if the aliens came and said that, you know, what choice would many people have, right? You know, if it was forced, is that is that kind of how you think it'll play out? Is that is that they'll come and institute a religion? I think Revelation thirteen tells us, um, both with the first and second beast, that they do force people into their system of economy. Facts. And the false beast, the false prophet, the second beast, uh, deceives people with signs and wonders, specifically a specific sign that we see in the Old Testament which is used to um, dedicate a temple, which is calling fire down from heaven. Now, is that 
is that a, a directed energy weapon that he's using to deceive people? I don't maybe. I don't know. Is he doing it through some other form of magic? I don't know. Is it a, is it blue beam? Is it a projected hologram in the sky? Maybe. I don't know. The point is, he deceives them with lying signs and wonders, like the text says in, in chapter 13. Mm-hmm. And he deceives them with a sign directly related to a priestly duty in a temple and because they're installing a system of worship. And yes, an economy is attached to that system of worship. And a system of worship would inquire, or it would have correlated with it a temple service. Right. I would suggest that's going on right now. Right. You th- you think it's happening yeah, right now? I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. Yeah. I like do. the second the second beast is here doing lion signs and well, I don't know about that, but I think the concept of uh, getting the deceptions in place and getting people malleable to concepts is absolutely oh, yeah. happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I got you. Yeah. I agree. And that's I would why say I think that they do whole, two things. This whole thing is they've a, got is social a engineering, and then they've got sympathetic magic. They use both those concepts, and they are wielding them like a mighty sword against the vast majority of the people. There's a there's an interesting thing I listened to a couple of weeks ago from Aldous Huxley from a 1962 presentation, and he said, "20 percent of the people are gonna absolutely believe what you're pushing on them. 20 percent of the people are not gonna buy it at all. But that other percent, that 60 percent, with just enough effort." They're going to go right along. There's your 80-20 rule right there. That's more than enough to bury the the 20% that aren't going along with your bull crap. Unfortunately, we've seen that in the last year and a half. Yeah, yeah. and that's exactly what I'm getting at. They, they are baffling people with nonsense, absolute nonsense. I mean, there's there's literally next to no evidence to substantiate any of the stuff they're saying. And they're actually to the point where they're entering lies into official United States public records now. I saw one today that a hacker friend of mine sent me blatant lie entered into the record. And I was like, what that woman just said, Elizabeth Warren, it's a complete and utter lie. That is not true what she said, yet that went right into the record. So if anybody does happen to win this, uh, at least this part of it, they've got plenty of evidence to use against these people. Real quick. Ministry of truth. (laughs) Marlo, I I covered a whole lot in a short amount of time. So if, and this is not to put you on the spot, but I can see your brain going. So I'm 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 kind of listening to what you guys are saying, but I'm also thinking of some other things I wanted to ask. But go ahead, Bubba. If you from uh, so I just explained a whole bunch of things that you may not have heard before, from my interpretation, my understanding of these passages. What if you could re restate in two or three sentences what you think I've said? What do you think I've said? I think that, uh, well, I think that one of the things that you said is you believe that Revelation 11, um, you believe that the great city is talking about Jerusalem now. Where the two um, witnesses are. Where the two witnesses are for the 40, 40 for the 40. three, three and a half years. Yeah, um, um, you believe that the, uh, the trumpets um are actually not chronologically after the seals being um the distribution of the trumpets you don't believe that that's chronologically after the seals being broken i think they're happening at the same time you think that that's you think that they're yeah you think that they're uh a one-to-one correspondence basically go ahead bubba apollyon rules for 42 months the two witnesses testify against him for 42 months okay the seals are opened over 42 months. The trumpets are blown over 42 months. Okay. And then at the end of that 42 months, the seven bowls are poured out. So you believe that after the 42 months now, so I'm, I'm assuming out of the seven year period, 
you would place that on the, the last three and a half years, which would make sense, right? Because at that last three and a half years, Christ makes his. You remember what happens at the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet, like 15, first Corinthians 15, 15, 51 says that last trumpet, the dead in Christ shall rise. Rise. And he comes in. Well, first Thessalonians, I think says also he meets them in the four. air. Yeah. Yeah. So but, it's but, the but the qualifier is that last trumpet, the last trumpet. I would agree. I would the agree. Last trumpet. So what happens My, go at ahead. the end I'm of the sorry. 42 months? At the end of the 42 months of the of Revelation 11, where the two witnesses are doing their testimony for 42 months, what happens at the end of that time period with those two witnesses? Well, they're they're killed, right? And then they, they come lay, back to life. They're resurrected. Right? Yeah. So what oh, happens, okay, I see what you're what saying. happens at the end of that 42 months? I see that what you're saying. Seven trumpets blown. No, that, no, that's 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 a dope. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. Okay. See what I'm saying? So that's mm -hmm. your that's your key, if I could put it like that. That's your skeleton key is that last seventh trumpet for the resurrection. It's the return of Yeshua. All these things have culminated. Bowls of wrath are pouring out. This is why Isaiah, you know, 26, 19 through 21 says we have to be taken up to our rooms, away and hidden in our rooms, away after we've been resurrected. The angels, Matthew 13, 30, we're being taken as wheat to the barn so that we are getting away from the wrath of Lamb, away from the indignation of the Lord, as Isaiah 26, 21 puts it. That's how people come up with pre-trib raptures. That's that's they they right. they kind of tap into that narrative. Now you don't you're not a pre-trib rapture. No, because they ignore the the last trumpet word. Mm. <laughs> Understood. You see what I mean? Yeah. There, and the there's, only there's a qualifier like Yeshua returns at the last trumpet, so you can't. There's no other time for this pre-trib, post-trib, like mid-trib. It's you know the last trumpet. Yeshua returns. The resurrected things happen. They're taken away. What's that? Sorry, brother, says, some of them believe in a secret return. Yeah, I know. It's I, I've never found that in scripture either. Where are they getting that from, though? Are there only certain sects of uh, Protestant Christianity that, that that go for that? Because uh, I've heard all these concepts, Most but I don't know where they're getting it. From. So, so real quick, so you put all three together: the bowls, the trumpets, and the seals. All put, three, all three the of those seals concepts. and the trumpets happen at the same time over a forty-two month time period, and then at the very end of that. The is seven when the bowls, bowls are poured out at the same time after the seventh trumpet is blown. The wrath on that day, on that day Yeshua returns. It's called the wrath of the, of the Lamb. And and you're saying that the saints get resurrected so that and they can be. That's that's what happens from. first. The first thing that happens that initiates the day of the Lord is that seventh trumpet. That's when the resurrection happens. Isaiah 26 and Matthew 13, angels come and they take the resurrected saints away to the New Jerusalem, which is yet to descend. It's still above. Uh huh. See, because they're taken off the earth where all this destruction is about to happen because they just got new resurrected bodies. You need to need to be away from all that destruction. And then here comes Yeshua and the warrior angels to fight at Armageddon in the Valley of Jezreel to fight against the kings of the earth and the forces that have combined to fight them. And they come down and take care of business. And then meanwhile, the, the bowls are being poured out. People are cursing. You know, this is why that there's a lot happening. This is why we did 20 episodes on the road to rescue going like piece by piece and showing people all these things and how they line up and which connect. are available on messenger of the most high YouTube, by the way. That's right. That's right. <laughs> They've been the road oh, I think, uh, I think both Mike and Marlo froze, but they uh, froze in some very, no, know, Mike's very, here. Oh, Mike's here. Okay. Marlo froze in a, in a very, Hey Sean, what, what, um, <laughs> What do you make of the last thousand to two thousand years? As uh, far as history? 
yeah, so you have you have the fall of Jerusalem, then you have the you know, there's the persecution period, then there's the Roman church uh development, then you have the fall of Rome, then you have uh the Roman Catholic Church, which basically rules the world for a good, you know, 800 years or so, 1200 wow. years. I, I don't know. And then you have the and then you have the fall of the Roman Church and you have the age of reason and enlightenment. And and a strange conclusion that I've come to is that the Roman Church would have never lost their grip over the world had it not been for the secret societies. The secret societies like caused the 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 papacy to lose its power and then mm -hmm. and then now you have uh the uh industrial revolution and then technology so, so what's been going on these last two thousand years like if all of this stuff in revelation is is yet to be then what what was all of this and then why did rome lose its grip you know and if well, see, what I'm saying is, is it lost its grip in the sense that it had people in their hands, to the masses, to where you can't learn, you can't read. It was spiritual despotism, despotism. Like they had everybody eating out of the palm of their hand. Like I'm talking about the individuals throughout the well, world. I think you're just. And like he said, you know, people were trying to to preserve like. Hey, Mike, you're breaking up really bad. Bro. did lose a, a big... I don't know if you can hear me, but we're really okay. struggling to hear your sentences. Sorry, well, brother. I, did, I think you're, Whatever you're you did get out of it, can you, can you answer it? Yeah. Well, I think there's an assumption being made for one, and that's, that is that the, what you said, that, that Rome had such a tight fisted control over the entirety of the world, we we do have this documentation of persecution of believers, and that Rome was a dominant empire. It's about the sixth century, and then it split off with Constantinople becoming a new capital and different things like that. But and that ruled for another th almost thousand years as the Eastern Empire of Rome. But what people seem to forget is that all the South American tribes that were that were across the ocean flourishing and doing their thing, not controlled by Rome, all the Chinese people. Korean, Japanese, Mongols, people in India, not controlled by by Rome during those time periods. Muslims. Like these are billions of people over time, over all that time that you know, and yeah, and the Muslim nations as they have merged. Um, I, so I think there's a you know, respectfully, I think there's a big assumption in what you're saying as far as the power and the scope of the power you're giving to the Catholic Church. Um, that's why I've been trying to say, save this whole night about the idea of Babylon as an empire that influences a lot of nations. But even like I said earlier, they didn't Babylon, the leaders of China and Japan in ancient days have enforced the same idolatrous practices under their people, but they were never under the control of the Babylonian empire as far as I understand, but they were in trade with them and they agreed with how the Babylonian empire subjugated their subjects in their provinces have you seen what really... Go ahead. My bad. Have you seen what Second Ezra fifteen says about Asia? Go ahead. Well, you remember uh, Asia was also called Turkey before. Oh, really? 
yeah, okay. before the Asian continent was relabeled by the West. It was just so verse Asia minor over time. As well. Okay, yeah. Verse forty-six says uh, in Second Ezra fifteen, "You Asia who share in the splendor of Babylon and the glory of her person, woe to you, miserable wretch! For you have made yourself like her. You've decked out your daughters for prostitution to please and glory in your lovers." Yeah, yeah. Glory of her person. Like I said, the, the practices have been in all these quote unquote pagan nations. And I hate to use that word because I think, you know, I think the Catholic Church kind of pushed that word. But but these nations that were not in covenant with Yahweh. So they're not doing the behavior of Yahweh. They're not doing this covenant behavior. They're not trying to keep the commandments. They're not trying to, you know, do all the things expounded upon in the scriptures as far as what is good moral behavior in a society. Instead, they're doing all this idolatrous worship that goes with these horrific practices that we can see documented in history by all these ancient nations throughout time as they did idol worship it was synonymous throughout the world that doesn't mean that all those different nations were a part of the babylon specifically the babylonian empire throughout all those times if that makes any sense you know, something so about you the, just um, you believe that these 2000 years though was is basically just set up right like no there's mm -hmm. been no fulfilled prophecy within the last 2000 years all it is is basically setting up for babylon well let me to, uh, to the world let me, let, let me ask you what prophecy do you think's been fulfilled in the last 2000 years i i don't i don't know i i just i look at the history you know from christ to and, and i examine all of the things that have taken place and there's some very curious and peculiar, peculiar um, changes that have taken place on the world in the last 2000 years. And I just, you know, in, in America being a big one, you know, like this whole idea of democracy and, you know, what, what does that mean as far as biblical, like, is that a part of biblical prophecy? Is that a part of uh, a, the timeline? Is that a part of, you know, is is democracy just an evolved form of the original Babylon? Because yeah, I don't know much about. But if you think about it, though, like hash of the Greek city states. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't know much about Persia, but I know that Babylon was communism. And then I don't know much. Like I said, I don't know much about the Persian Medo-Persia uh, empire. But then you have the Greek, which was a. Like city state. De democratic ideas started to form and then have Rome, which was like a combination of like, you know, an emperor, but also a Senate to check them. Right. So then you have real democracy starting to form. And then now, you know, f fast forward, you know, 1500 years or whatever, you have this new idea of democracy, you know, like evolve an evolved form of it. Well, if and, you I know, may, it just, would, so so we uh, yeah. uh, we don't get lost in semantics. Uh, democracy is technically not what we are. We're a representative republic, and republic, there is a def there is a, a, a lexiconical definitional difference uh, to that. And so yes. uh, we have democratic ideals and values, but technically, as supposedly the Constitution was supposed to be carried out, be a representative republic. So I was a, a civics nerd in, in school. Democracy meaning mob rules, 51% right. can override 49%, whereas we have representational government or a democratic republic where we right. elect people to take care of things for us. Yeah, <laughs> I, to answer right. your question in a broad stroke, I think what happened 
in the past 2000 years is what we've seen if it is in a, a macrocosm, what we're seeing in a microcosm example, what's been happening in China since 1950s. And it is China has been figuring out a way to enforce communism rule, but allow the people to actually have a system of trade and free exchange where they, they have a, a semblance free enterprise. of a democratic free enterprise economy which will allow them to actually sustain themselves. They learned the lesson of Russia, which self-imploded yeah. economically. And so yep. they still, they're still have a communism, but they're allowing, you know, we, we need to let these people give some hope and work and make some profits. We can't just be taking everything like the Russians did. And, you know, history of Russia is horrible, man. They were just, they, they literally chewed off their own legs. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So I think what was happening over the last 2000 years is, as Christianity, as the belief in Yeshua was flourishing like wildfire from from Britain all the way to India and being passed around everywhere and believers were springing up in great numbers that it was causing destabilization to empiric concepts. Um, this is this is just like we see. Uh, well, I'm not. That's too deep. Let me go. Uh, and I'm not saying you couldn't handle it. I just don't want to get lost. I don't want the audience to get lost. Um, so let me say it like this. Um, so it's it's twofold. We have believers. I, I truly believe that Yeshua changed the game. When he resurrected and ascended to his priesthood, as the scriptures talk about, he ministers in the temple on our behalf. And through his priesthood, he has access to the Spagod, unlike any other priest of Israel ever. So he can give it as he wills. This is what Peter tries to explain in Acts chapter 2, verse 32 through 35. And as a result of that, he now... Even though there's no temple in Jerusalem anymore, believers could be spread around all across the world and still receive the power of God given to them in a, you know, in, in a wonderful benevolent, excuse me, benevolent exchange of faith receiving favor, faith receiving grace through Yeshua's priesthood, and He gives you that power so that you can, you know, be affecting your life and walk out righteous behavior. No matter where you are in the earth at all times, like it's this beautiful exchange that we have greater access to the throne room through Yeshua than we've ever had in Israel, right? What's cool about that is that that was flourishing in great numbers quickly as the Roman Empire was having some issues. It, it was struggling to keep its power over the people. Obviously, you, you just referenced earlier in AD 70, the Great Rebellion in Jerusalem, to which they came in and squashed everybody, Okay. That also happened with the Huns and with, you know, all these other people in different regions they were struggling to control or invade and enforce their will upon. And so their empire, as it was, could not be managed. It was too big. It broken up. So they, just like China, had to take someone else's failure and learn. The, the kings of the earth, the Vatican, and everyone that, really, that was ruling the empire of Babylon had to realize, all right, well, it's just not feasible for us to literally force everybody across all these different regions of country and culture to do exactly what we want. We'll let them flourish in their own lands, but we'll keep pushing the social degradation appropriated into their own cultures so that they're easier to rule. And we'll just rule them in the same way that they've ruled everybody, right? Which is they get you to transgress the covenant of, yeah, they get you to do opposite behavior, destructive behavior, which makes you morally weak. It makes you psychologically weak. It makes sure if you want to go into the, you know, the, magnetic field your body puts off it makes you weak in every regard when you do this destructive sinful behavior and therefore you're more easily subjective to oppression and control no matter who is over you whether it's a senator from missouri or whether it's uh you know form of a gandhi in india 
it doesn't matter because you're not doing covenant behavior that leads to life and strength. So what I'm saying is I don't think the last 2000 years was just some weird moment in time that, that the enemy didn't know what to do. No, I think there's two things happening. The enemy is desperately trying to learn how do we subjugate mankind with all these different cultures and not lose power, but yet let, let them think, you know, like, you know, that famous movie from the eighties, right? How do we, how do we let them be imprisoned in their own cities and not let them realize it? Right. They've been trying to figure out how they can master that form of oppression. Well, meanwhile, we've got the, the, the idea of people that are breaking out of that behavior because they have a greater, quicker access to the spirit of God through Yeshua's priesthood is also operating at the same time, which constantly thwarts these plans. Does that make sense? So you have 2,000 years of the Father, which is called the time of the Gentiles, bringing in all these, you know, non-blood-born, you know, and, and you know, even in, even in faith in Yeshua, there's no Greek, there's no Jew. I understand that. I'm just trying to uh, expound upon this idea of what's happening at the same time that Rome is restructuring, trying to figure out better ways to manipulate, control people throughout their own cultures. You have God working on the earth, and he's throughout all these nations, bringing in believers in masses everywhere to even the Native Americans in, the, in what is now the United States happening during the same time. My, my ancestors, the Chickasaws and the Cherokees. So this is where you have two things happen at the same time. It's a battle of kingdoms. I'm going to talk about this in part 21. So ultimately the last 2000 years has been the time of the Gentiles. And when, and when the nations, which is what the word Gentiles means, when that has been fulfilled and all of them are coming in, this is when you're going to have all these events in revelation to start to actually happen. What, and so what verse I, is that from the time of the Gentiles? Yeah. Let me, let me what, but, yeah. I want to hear that. Chat is going crazy about the uh, the Trinity debate. Oh man, the chat was talking about um, <clears throat> all kinds of things, not not what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a there's a mention of it to in Luke twenty one twenty four. Tomorrow they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And so this is Luke 21, 24. I personally believe it is talking about the AD 70 fall of Jerusalem. That's when Jerusalem's destroyed, trodden down, they're dispersed into all the nations. And then that kicks off this time of the Gentiles until that's fulfilled. And that's when Yeshua returns. So, I mean, that's, that's getting us to the point of when Revelation starts, basically. And this is, I think, the same thing I was trying to say on Jason's broadcast a couple weeks back to say that I don't think that Revelation has actually started yet. I mean, the first three chapters are letters to different churches in Asia Minor. So that's kind of independent of the actual visions that start to happen about future events, which starts in chapter four leading up to chapter 22. I'm sorry, Marlo's trying to get back in. Hey, brother Marlo, thanks for coming oh, back, man. man. There he is. <laughs> I had to restart my whole situation, man. Oh, How no. much did I miss? I missed a whole bunch, huh? Y'all probably talking about something completely different. <laughs> I, I, Mike just asked me to recap the last two thousand years of prophecy. <laughs> can you repeat it? No, I'm he's just asking. Lying. He's asking those tough questions tonight. He's like, "Can you explain the last two thousand years?" Um, let me let me find a few sentences here. <laughs> what I think is cool is we do get the time qualifier. I'm trying to give you like super quick cliff notes, and you know, you may disagree on some on specifics or whatever, but. That's the way I see it. 
is that uh, we are in the I wouldn't say that I disagree. I just I, I'm like Marlo. I really I don't have a stance. So I, I can't disagree with anybody. You know, I'm trying to form my ideas and you know I I've seen a lot of stuff that's very convincing on all different sides, you know, whether it be preterist ideas or um uh, man, a lot of your stuff has like changed the game for me, you know, but like, and then there's the idea of historicism and, you know, that's. Wasn't historicism I'm, just another name, a fancy name for preterism? Well, I don't know if it's a partial preterist or if it's a, a full on preterism, but basically it's that, that um, Rome fell, you know, like in Daniel. And um, it was split into 10 kingdoms, which is Revelation, right? Which would have been the the Huns, the Ravenna, Rome, like the city Rome, uh, um, Lombards, uh, all of those. It was it was supposedly it was 10 kingdoms, right? And then you had the 11th, which was the horn that had the, the eyes to see and the mouth to speak, which was more stout than his fellows, you know, basically a priest king, right. a prophet king, which was the, the you know, the Pope, the papacy. And um, or it's it just a, a lot of it's really convincing, you know, like it's just like, or, how did it happen like that in history to where it really can line up, you know, Okay. With that, well, and is, then you have the urgency of quick, Christ, Mike. you know, talking about. Okay, go Mike, ahead. Can you hear me? I'm sorry, brother. I think there's yes. a delay. Hey, yeah, um, I just want to say real quick. Um, I think what you just described when you're talking about historicism, I think you were describing the historicism view. Is that right? Right. Okay. So when you talked about the the ten kings and then the little horn. So you were saying that that was the, your the historicism view is that that's the papacy, and then these ten families that got power from the Roman Empire. The little horn, the eleventh, the eleventh horn, or the little horn was would be the papacy. Yeah. Okay, so that what I would challenge on that interpretation is that that's a specific interpretation because when I put this up on screen, we can see in Revelation seventeen this idea of I'm sorry guys I don't know why is is it is it fluttering fluttering really fast when you know I, I saw it when you just had it up okay sorry on my screen, it was like fluttering really fast um so basically when it talks about this uh the 10 kings that that give their power to the beast mm -hmm. so this is that they receive no kingdom as of yet right so these families that you just mentioned they're not actually kings over an actual like they may be the behind the scenes power but they, but you know, they don't actually have a kingdom. They have families that rule right. over, right? Okay, so we're in agreement with that. And then they give their power to the beast. So that's why I wouldn't be translating this particular use of the beast in that ten kings. And I think that this beast being mentioned here is the same one in Daniel as the little horn. Me too. And, and I wouldn't trans. I personally, I mean, it's okay if we disagree, but I personally wouldn't think that this is talking about the papacy. Because it says the beast comes out at the fifth trumpet. Right. And then yeah, we have two Baruch's account. I think it's really interesting what Apocalypse of Baruch 67 says, but the king of Babylon will arise who has now destroyed Zion and he will boast over the people and he will speak great things in the heart of the presence in, in the presence of the most high, which is exactly what's spoken of the little horn. Is that a, Zion is that a being, 
is that an eschatological verse or is that um, specific to that time period? Because Baruch was a scribe of Jeremiah, right? They were in Babylonian captivity. I'm not too familiar with with Second Baruch. I haven't I haven't delved into it that much. So how is is there any other language in in those in that stanza or wherever that's at to specifically know that that's talking about something future and not something immediate? Because I think people do the same thing with Jeremiah. Goodness, uh, fifty one. I don't believe Jeremiah the later the latter chapters of Jeremiah have anything to do with eschatology. It speaks very specifically about the kings of the Medes and. The ba Babylon, we know, we know based on Nebuchadnezzar's statue in his dream, the successions of empires, right? Right. And so well, that's listed in Daniel as well. The Medes took over. Facts, facts, yeah. right? So, is there? Do we know that those texts in Second Baruch are eschatological? Yes, Sorry, that was long winded. It, you're good. It's during the uh, the the twelve waters of the visions of of end times, mostly. Well, the latter half, latter part of them is. I got to check that out. I got to check that out. Yeah. Two Baruch 67. Good looking out, yeah. Bubba. Yeah. That's why I asked earlier. I was like, do, can we qualify who the king of Babylon is? Mm, right. Even though, I mean, and here's, here's where it gets crazy, right? Because like Marla brought a great question up earlier talking about, you know, when we're differentiating between Babylon on the ground versus this reference of mother Babylon being over many, many merchants of the nations and Kings of the earth versus an actual city on the ground. So we're talking about a reach and influence. And then, you know, Westblaze brought up a verse where it's while prophesying about end time events mentions this king that will rise at Babylon being in the same vein as the one that destroyed uh, during Zion during the days of Baruch. Also, you got Isaiah 100 years before Baruch in chapter 14 talking about this king of Babylon going down to Sheol and having other kings of the nations rise to meet him and saying, wasn't this the great king that caused the nations to tremble and, you know, all this stuff like that. So yeah, we're starting to say, all right, was that the king of Babylon at the days of Isaiah? Was he prophesying about Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, Xerxes, Artaxerxes, Darius II, Nebuchadnezzar II? Like which one? Right. And the further description in Isaiah 14 talks about this king of Babylon from verse three to verse 25. And I think it's in verse like 13 or 14 about this specific king of Babylon desire to set his throne in the clouds amongst the stars and be like the most high. The one that people think is talking about Lucifer and right. because of, of the new King guys. James and the King yeah. James. Facts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not talking about Lucifer. It's not talking about an angel. It's not. It's talking about the king of Babylon. Right. Oh, wow. The, who the original king of Babylon was this was this Nimrod character. Do you so, think Nimrod the was a title? Well, all the successor ancient, title? Yeah, I think it got picked up as a title. Yeah, that was the tr the culture and the tradition of all the ancient Middle okay. Eastern countries. Just like you would have, a, like I said, Darius 1, Darius 2, Artaxerxes 1, Artaxerxes 1, Xerxes 2, Xerxes 3, right. all that kind of stuff. So, But this is why I always go back to this verse to try to remind folks that it there is this consistent king of Babylon that's always mentioned in Scripture who... Like he just read a verse from Brook 67. We also see in Revelation 9, we also see this is the the beast that comes out of the bottomless pit. This is that's because what Isaiah 14 says. This king goes down to Sheol. That's right. And, and it he comes, comes out of the pit. What's up, Bubba? He's coming back up. When when we had our discussion last time, uh 
I had brought up Nimrod and I and I uh, brought up Apollyon, the verse in Revelation. Oh, Revelation, uh, Revelation nine. Right. Can you talk about your your uh, the way that you interpreted it in that discussion about how you were saying like it doesn't make sense that he would be. <clears throat> remember, it comes so out Revelation with the, uh, the locust. Remember? Do you remember what you well, were yeah, saying about it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Can, can you talk, can you bring that up? Well, yeah. For me, um, Abaddon and Apollyon in Revelation nine, because I don't see any other place where there's a character specifically called Abaddon or Apollyon, at least not in any of the texts that I've I've recognized, but by all means, bear forth your truth to my error. Um, I do know that those words are, are kind of used colloquially. Like I know that the word is used in Job, um, uh, but just talking about Sheol and destruction. However, we have this figure in Revelation 9 that's called by name, mm -hmm. destruction or destroyer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All and throughout- Apollyon. Right, all throughout Revelation 9. And I'm sure if you saw our dialogue, it's not like some super deep breakdown. When I'm looking at Revelation 9, all I see is that um, there's a, an angel who, let, let's pull it up just to make sure that I'm not quoting it wrong because God knows I'll do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you want Revelation, Revelation 9? 9? Yeah, yeah. Can you pull it up on the screen, Bubba? 11. Because it's I'm too scared to pull my Bible up on my computer because I, I messed around and froze my computer. <laughs> it's so, <all> right. Okay. <laughs> Revelation all right, 9 so, 11. Well, start, but starting in verse 1, though. Starting in okay. verse 1, because for me, Angel it's, it's all the it's all the dialogue about the locusts, right? Sure. Okay. So the fifth angels uh, sounded. This is the trumpet. I saw a star from heaven uh, fall into the earth, and to him it was given. He was given a key to the bottomless pit. Um, he opened the bottomless pit. Smoke arose out of the pit, as the smoke uh, of a great furnace, uh, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And then the, the locusts come out of the smoke. Now I know there was a gentleman on uh, one of your last broadcasts, and you guys were kind of tapping into the locusts and you said that the do you think that the locusts aren't actually coming from the smoke you think they're actually coming out of the abyss i guess that's kind of it's it's, a, it's a the same point. yeah it's the yeah, it's the same it, it's like imagine like in any movie you've seen and there's a lot of predictive programming for this too where smoke comes out of a of a volcano or what smoke comes out of a big explosion and out of that explosion comes things up into the air and then down like a like artillery right it's shut up Perhaps. and then it the trajectory goes down so that's why you see out of the smoke come these things but it tells these, you where these yeah. things come from Locus, they came yeah. from the bottomless pit okay the, the smoke the th the scorpion like things right. and apollyon they all come from the bottomless pit so right. that's where it's re repeated in revelation 11 and revelation 17 that this beast who came out of the bottomless pit is doing this. Well, just well, just sticking with Revelation nine. Like when I'm reading Revelation nine, uh -huh. verse verse four, and it, it, it was commanded uh, them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither okay. neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which do not have the seal of God on their forehead. So, verse four for me is like, okay, well, cool. Like, okay, well, whatever Get these things, yeah, whatever <laughs> facts, right? Whatever these things are, they're not coming to mess with God's people, right? So then verse five, it talks more about what the locusts are doing. Um, uh -huh. they, they torment people for five months. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Torment is like a scorpion, which strike at the man. So, so verses seven through what? Nine, 10, it's talking about their appearance. Yep. And then verse, verse 10. Okay. That's still scorpions. Okay. So it reiterates five months. 
So we have yep. a time period. Verse 11, and they had king over them, uh, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name is Hebrew in Abaddon, but in Greek, in, in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon. Go to the next verse. Okay. Do you know who Apollyon was in ancient Greece? Well, see, and that's the that's the thing. Like, so my mode of exegesis when I'm looking at this text stops there. If I get anything outside of the proximity of what this text said, I'll consider it, but it's not going to be like bread and butter for me. It's, well, you know that it, Diana is Dionys or Diana is mentioned in the New Testament. Zeus is mentioned in the New Testament. These are Greek mm -hmm. gods. But I wouldn't list. I wouldn't go to the Greek sources and hear everything that they have. I mean, because I'm sure that some of their gods are viewed as heroes. Whereas no, 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 know, I'm not talking about the, I'm talking about the Hebrew source, the Hebrew, the, the New Testament writers. I mean, even in Revelation. I would agree. Um, I would agree. Yeah, that's all, that's all I'm saying is like, they knew what the Greeks believed. Okay. And I think that's why they're translating it for you. Okay. Well, I respect that. But for me, like that's, I, 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 I don't know that much. I couldn't okay. say that much about Apollyon. And it seems like the figure in Revelation nine, he's doing the bidding of the most high. He had the, he's the king over these locust things that are tormenting people who are not the saints. And if Nimrod is a one-to-one -one correspondence with the Antichrist, which is a one-to-one -one correspondence with the man of lawlessness and a one-to-one -one correspondence with the king of Babylon, that's okay. like one of his primary functionalities, right? And so I, for me, I don't put that situation- Wait, wait, wait I'm sorry, could you say that again? What's one of his primary functionalities? To torment the, the God's saints. Well, we see in the the only person that's called a beast in revelation consistently is this guy that is given authority by the dragon satan facts and then under that authority the first beast and the second beast who rolls in the same authority they mm -hmm. go out and they they make war against the saints the saints that yeah. apollyon figure wasn't doing that in revelation i know just just for those five months just for those five months that's right but i understand it but there's no other language about this apollyon or abaddon figure the, there the, is and there is that's why 17 says that the king the the beast that you saw come out of the pit is a king and it calls him a king in in revelation 9 11 and says he comes out of the pit i i think that well let's go back to revelation 9 okay because the the text the text said that he's the king of the bottomless pit i don't mm -hmm. let's go back to uh where it says his name okay the angel of the bottomless pit does that mm -hmm. mean that he came out of it Yes, Revelation 9 1. Let's go back up to verse 1. Mm -hmm. The angel. Okay. Fifth uh, angel sounds. He okay, so I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and it was and he was and he was given the key to the bottomless pit. Mm -hmm. The only thing I see coming out of the pit in these in this stanza here are the locusts. And they had a king over them. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't that's not that's doesn't necessarily mean. That the king came out. I can understand the exegete, yeah. but the, mm -hmm. you, right, the locust clearly came out of. Well, the, let me, the then let me ask you this: what What do you think it's referencing here in Revelation eleven when it talks about um, this guy right here, verse seven? And when they shall finish their testimony to the two witnesses, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them, shall overcome them and kill them. He would say it's it's tough to correlate the the Apollyon a, a bad character with see, that beast. See, this well, is on, this on. is why I asked Marla to bring this up because in our conversation I was trying to defend this idea of of Apollyon, and I yeah. I'm not anywhere near 
<laughs> equipped for that. So I really wanted to hear this conversation between you two. I, I, th I think too, we need to go back to the Greek and see how this word bottomless pit is being translated, see how the word abyss is being translated, because we do know that the, the sea beast is, is, is also coming out of the water, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that it's coming out of the bottomless pit or that there's smoke or anything like well, that. We don't, know where, yeah, we don't know where this but is if being this, opened. But okay, true, true. But if the sea beast is, is, is coming out of the ground from somewhere, um, how do like how do we know that this is a, a very specific place where a key is opened up, or a key has opened up the top of it, and this who, figure that who, comes out is, a, is Apollyon? This is a great question because it goes into you know what does the scriptures tell us has control over containers underneath the ground underneath us? Angels. I agree. Yeah, this is what Enoch tells us. Uh, that there's specific angels. Well, who is it? Is it Raphael? Or is it Uriel? Well, I think oh, Uriel, Uriel has Tartarus. Raphael has yeah. Sheol. Sheol, yeah. So they're, they're actual. And then, of course, there's another text that actually directly tells us which angel this is that comes down. Um, it's the Apocalypse of Abraham. Some yeah, people well. don't want to accept it. Some people do. But it directly says he's the one that, that is the restrainer that holds. These Can I read that real quick? Sure, go ahead, brother. I got it right here where he says... I had a quick almost these are these are all great questions guys Good and Jason out. at any Good point look. if you're bored or if you you know if you don't you know if you have a question chime in you're welcome to I know that I know that you said that uh you haven't studied revelation as much as we may have so I don't <clears> want <throat> you to feel bored I've read it, it. Uh, I'm definitely not lost or anything like that like I understand everything you're saying um just not sure what I can interject at the moment that's, that's all okay. right it's a uh, apocalypse of Abraham chapter 10 verses 8 through 14 I'm called Joel or Yahweh, depending on the translation, by him who moves those who exist with me on the seventh expanse firmament, on the firmament, a power of a power in virtue of the infallible, no, ineffable name, it says, that is dwelling in me. I am the one who has been given to restrain. We see that mention of a restrainer in Thessalonians. According to his commandment, the threatening attacks of the living ones of the cherubim against one another, and to teach those who carry him the sign of the seventh hour of the night of man, I'm ordered to restrain that the Leviathan for every single attack and menace of every single reptile or subject to me. I am who has been commissioned to loosen Hades and destroy him who stares at the dead. So how do you know he's not Abaddon or Apollyon? Who? The angel? The angel? Yeah, Joel. If he's the king of the bottomless pit and he's got the power over locusts and he sends them to well, torment... Go ahead, Bubba. I'm sorry. That's, that is where I tried to show... Uh... You know the the history of who this Apollyon Apollyon character Apollyon is just a, the Latin transliteration of the Greek word Apollo. One quick one quick interjection is so, Marlo, you're saying that the, the angel that came down is the king, right? No, that's that. Well, no, Marlo, that's what, no, that's what Mar, is that yeah, what Marlo is suggesting okay. that he from what he, the way he reads it is the king over the locust is the one that came down and was given the key. You're, are you saying that angel is the one that's no. king? No? I haven't made it. I haven't made any connection with the Apollyon figure. I haven't gone past uh, whatever it says about him in that one text. Okay. Well, have, go let, ahead. let me just say this. I I heard one time on Facebook, uh, some random dude was saying that um, he was arguing against like a literal Nimrod. And he was saying that this character in Revelation is actually the same angel 
that came down on Egypt and killed all the firstborns. And I think he said in in the Old Testament, it says Apollyon. Well, I like destruction. To, yeah. I, I've never destruction. I've, ne I, I've never heard it. I mean, but I can understand. Uh, like I said, I could understand that perspective. But, I don't uh, think. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But yeah, but this is obviously not my view. I'm just saying, but if, if this angel came down, cause you said he was doing the bidding of the most high, right? Yes. And, and the same with the angel in Egypt was doing the bidding of the most high, right? By killing all the firstborns and yeah, passing over the houses with the blood on it. I'm, I'm, yeah. But I'm careful about connecting dots. This is how people end up making Christ the angel of the Lord and stuff like that. For me, if, if a text says something isolated, if I don't have a figure in the new Testament, tell me that, this person is this person and he did this over here in these ancient times. Right. I don't make that connection no matter how much. I'm confused you, on what your stance is there or, or what you're suggesting then. So, so, so this is what I would say without connecting anything else to revelation nine. All I see is that there's an angel with a trumpet. One of them's given a key and that there's locust that comes out of the abyss once it's open. And that those locusts have over them an angel of, of the, of the bottomless pit, which I don't believe necessitates you to, to think that it came out of the bottomless pit. They could just have somebody ha that has authority over them. And it could be one of the angels. I mean, the angels are doing all types of destruction and plagues all through Revelation. Yeah. And so go ahead. Think about just the, when you say, like, if I say I'm west of Texas, that's going to mean that I'm from Texas. And no, that's the same way that those that, that linguistic, like when you say in Spanish, like, yo soy de west de Texas. I'm from Texas, and so it's the same as it's the same word of and from. You might from my right. understanding. Let me check that because you might be right. Yeah, see, all, and that's all I'm trying to ask throughout all this is just, I know that you're you're hesitant to try to connect anything to Revelation nine, but are well, you holding I don't, that I don't, same hermeneutic principle with everything else mentioned in Revelation and every other chapter? Yeah. Like, for, so like the, well, I, I'm trying to, at least I'm, you know, I might, I'm, you know, I, I do the best. So like revelation 19, Yeshua that destroys the beast and the false prophet. Is that the same issue in revelation five in the temple opening the scrolls? Well, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. When absolutely. You're connecting five and 19. Well, what, let me be more specific. Okay. Okay. When we're talking about certain events taking place in revelation, how, you know, we'll say that, um, Am I delayed? No, I hear you. Okay, Bubba. You're good. You're good. So um, connecting figures where in Revelation, when we say things like, okay, well, the, the first scroll is also the first trumpet, and it's also uh, the first bowl that's being poured out on people. I There's certain things that I, I need to see to know for a fact, or to at least believe beyond a reasonable doubt, that that's a, 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 a solid exegete. But Sean, didn't you say that it's not the bowls are not synonymous? Synonymous? The bowl, you well, said no, the bowls no, are on the last trumpet, bowl, right? He said, yeah, he said that the bowls are on his, on the last trumpet and, okay. and stuff like that. But even uh, with the trumpets and the seals, right? Like to say that they're not chronologically um, placed after one another, right? Mm -hmm. When I'm just looking at the text, I, I recognize that the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses, right? Mm -hmm. But I but I do think that there's certain length. There is language that stands out that does help us to place things in the, in the proper chronological order with regards to revelation nine, right? The, the key, the key terms for me are Abaddon, Apollyon, angel, right? Yeah. Now, 
for me, like I would have to see something where for a fact, like Abaddon or Napoleon is used somewhere else in some scripture to know for a fact. I can understand all the language about the bottomless pit. I don't, de I don't deny that. But when I see that these locusts are tormenting people that don't have the seal of God on their head for four, for, for five months, that to me is a big deal. It's, it's not something that I can just set aside and be like, well, he came out of the bottomless pit. So it has to be the same person. Okay. Cause I don't, I'm not even sure if he did, but I want to, I want to look up real quick. Well, uh, let's, can I, can I, before we go too far away from relation nine, let me just say something. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. I was going to, I was looking up Uh, West blaze said that the word of. Okay. Is the same. Um, so it's interesting because let's see. One one just use ha, which is the, but I, I it could be a prepositional phrase. But there's another one that says ek, which could be by or out of. But that's just talking about the smoke. I want to go to the verse where it's talking about the king. Okay, so let's see, because it might be the same word. Let's see. And they came, king is in, as king and angel. Ha. So it doesn't, it doesn't have. And so that yeah, word king. Uh, that word angel in verse 10 is also uh -huh. agalos. Agalos, which doesn't mean always, doesn't always mean be an angel I know. from God. Right. It's actually used of men in John chapter three. Yeah, that word of is actually not. And by all means, bear forth your truth to my error. I'm looking at Revelation nine and 11, and I'm okay. looking at both the morphological Greek and the Texas Receptus, where it says. So let me ask and, you this, and, though, real and, quick. and double check. Go ahead, Bubba. So the readers in the first century AD or second century depends on when you want to argue when Revelation was written. We're talking about okay. people that they lived in, you know, the, the readers of this, right? We get in the first three chapters, the, the churches of Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey, uh, right? Connected close to Greece and Macedonia, North Mediterranean. And these were seven different churches to whom they have created converts, uh, you know, disciples in Yeshua over the last several decades or whatever. Mm -hmm. These people all are in the, even though they're in the Roman Empire, they're still, Greek is still the dominant language of trade during this day. Okay. I agree. Okay? So that's why you have a mixture in the, in the gospels of Greek words being translated for you, Hebrew words being translated for you, and Latin words being translated for you. And now in this particular uh, revelation you have only greek being translated for you by the actual by the actual vision by john himself pinning the pin in the letter so to his audience this is a point of finding context when we stumble over difficult words like who why would he give a greek name to this character to a greek speaking and receiving audience if he thought they wouldn't understand or be misled by who this character this famous greek name was well, is Abaddon as famous as Apollyon? Abaddon is just a Hebrew version. But I'm saying, but I'm saying, a translation of Apollyon. But 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 the, but the point is, is that he gave the name of both, right? And that this. Well, this no, it's is, the same name. It's just in each I language it's said differently. I, yeah. I agree, but but yeah. the argument is that it's a particular figure, right? Yes. So the same argument that we're making for the Greek tongue, we have to also be able to make for the Hebrew tongue. Now, are there any ancient Hebrew? Well, connections to Nimrod where he's called Abaddon, or is there anything that correlates this Apollyon figure in Greek literature or Greek 
I don't know what if, to call if it. If that's what record. the Hebrew tongue spoke and, and transliterated Ab Apollyon or Apollo to Abaddon, then that's just a language translation issue. Which is why which is why the text translates it for us, so we're not confused. But that's, but I mean, it is also just like you could use that, like if you were speaking Hebrew, Hebrew, you could say like Abaddon, as, as in like, oh, here comes somebody who's coming to destroy. You could just call somebody like a description, right? So it could not be a specific name. It could just be a, a, the, the descriptive term being applied as a name, right? I hear that. But that's why I keep going back to how many people come out of the bottomless pit that are that are mentioned again in the book of Revelation. I don't think that the text necessitates that we view that he came out of like. So the argument first was made that it of which is a good argument, which is a good is, is a good perspective of okay. and from. But that's that's not actually in the Greek. Now, I can understand why the translators would put that in there. But I mean, if the word of isn't there, which is you might say by or or like ek, um, I could have, you know, which is so, the angel over the bottomless pit. I mean, if the if there's no word there, who decided well, that the word should be of? Well, it actually says that they had an angel over them. A king over them. I know, but it. But then it says, "Which is the angel of the bottomless pit?" So that was the point. That was the part that was highlighted to say, "Well, yeah. he he has to be coming out of the out of the pit because he's of the bottomless pit," which makes perfect sense. But okay. it's only the word "ha" there, which is "the." It doesn't have "of." You see that's what I'm saying? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I just I think we're trying to isolate too much, maybe to to hyper focus in on just trying to let this these passages interpret themselves when we have a wealth of context, right? Isaiah 14, as we mentioned earlier, talked about the king of Babylon going down to the pit. We see the same reference as the Assyrian in, in Ezekiel being taken down to Sheol, Assyria. Yeah. Um, and then Isaiah so and then Revelation 31, 7. And the yes. Septuagint talks about the Assyrian who will be destroyed, not by the sword of a man. That's right. And up then Revelation until, 17. Up until Sean showed uh, 17, I didn't even know there was another part in Revelation that spoke of anything coming out of the pit. So, but it does say that a beast came up out of the pit. And so that is pretty good evidence to me that this is the same character, right? Because there's not two pits, right? There's not two bottomless pits. There's not two figures that come out, right? Correct. In 17, it does say that the beast that came up out of the bottomless pit. So how would and you interpret that, uh, Marlo? Well, I would interpret it the way that it's read there. That's very, very specific. Um, the beast yeah, it, that it, you it, saw. It ascends out of the bottomless pit, and it's called a beast. Well, where, I don't, I, and where, did, where did John see a different beast come out of the bottomless pit than Revelation 9 in his vision? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not using the word beast to connect revelation nine or, or revelation 17 or anything like that there, there's a beast that comes out of the earth and there's a beast that comes out of the sea um this he's, verse go ahead i'm sorry he's saying it doesn't use the words word beast in revelation yeah. nine and that's yeah. that's true and then the, and then the, the you know you've got the prepositional phrase here in verse eight ascends out of the bottom okay, of so let, now if that was in revelation nine we wouldn't have wouldn't be having this conversation i'd be like oh yeah absolutely yeah let's go with your other theory that you mentioned where you're saying what if what if uh, the the angel over these scorpion-like things that come out of the bottomless pit? What if it was an actual angel of God that's in command, allowing these things to torment the un, the the wicked, right, the unrighteous? Um, For five months, yeah. 
yeah, for five months. And by the way, I was going to try to highlight that passage. They don't actually tor- like the torment of the sting last five months. Because either they, way, either way, well, they're, they're it's not like they're literally being held down and and, and you know, being torn. Like they get stung, but and then that's torment of that sting lasts for five months, and the, and it describes that pain as being as if stung by a scorpion. And I actually tried to cover this um, in part five or no part six. Right before I covered in part seven, the king of Babylon, I covered in part six, scorpion chimeras, because that was a huge thing in ancient Babylon of these Mm. chimeric scorpion things that were all uh, surrounding the kings of ancient Babylon. It's a very interesting concept. And Nimrod was called the scorpion king. And Nimrod was, yes. So what I'm seeing here, though, is... Yeah, yeah, right. Um, What I'm seeing here is... uh, What is this beast that he saw that comes out of the bottomless pit that the kings give their power to. Mm-hmm. So if if we go with the alternate theory that you, that you proposed earlier, which is possibly it's a good angel of God that's in control over this judgment on the unrighteous being perpetuated by these uh, scorpion things, why would the kings of the earth give their authority to a good angel? I'm not, but you're still connecting Revelation 9 with right. Revelation 17. I'm not doing Because there is no other saying? part of the vision where something comes out of the bottomless pit, except but it doesn't, this it doesn't specifically being referenced. It doesn't specifically say that the angel came out. It says that the, I, I'll, I'll concede that the, the locust came out. The word yeah. of is there. I th- and I, I, But in I, that context, why would we set like, okay, so it's describing the, the all right, so we'll go back to Revelation 9, because I see your point for sure, and I, I am trying to address it. No, so it's all good, it, it describes the, the things, the locust-like things, which actually I, I love this kind of vision because you actually see that they're described as locusts when they're coming out of the smoke because it, it seems like a – and this is – yes, this is my interpretation, but it seems like a perspective issue where he's mm-hmm. seeing them as a swarm a coming horror. up out of the smoke in the air. But as they get closer, that's where we get verses 7 uh, through 10 where it starts describing them in greater detail because they're getting closer to him in the vision. He can actually see details now. So now he sees like, oh, okay, they got crowns, they got faces like men, hair like women, teeth like lions, they got breastplates of iron. He can, you know, and he can hear the sound of their wings. You know what I'm saying? So now he can actually, he's getting more descriptive details as they get closer in the vision. And then it's all connected in the same context, the king over them that he's also seen. So then it then goes on to say about, you know, this 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 army that's killing 200 million people. What do you think these are, Sean? The locusts? What? what Chimera scorpions. I think it's what exactly what they're described because they were in ancient ancient Babylon. They're chimeras, just like chimeras. This is what transhumanism movement. So this is like a like a a hybrid like angel creature. This is a this is a hybrid. That was locked up. This is a hybrid warrior, and it's the these are um, these are being genetically modified, in my opinion. They're being like Nephilim. Oh, okay. Like so, okay. Never like mind. I, I understand what you're saying now. They were, these are right. I got I, you. I think now. I personally think that what we're seeing here, and this, this is, um, you know, I want to be very transparent when I talk about these things. To whereas, does the text directly tell us, or am I no, it's infusing, all good, yeah, infusing a little bit of interpretation so people can understand where I'm coming up with these ideas, right? So I take ancient history and what they talked about, the king of Babylon, who it was, who they worshipped throughout all of history and still worship today in every Masonic temple and every false religion across the world, which is this Nimrod character who used to be called Apollyon, Inerta, Osiris, all these different names, Shiva. And then I take what were what did he surround himself with? He's with Minotaurs and uh, Centaurs and Chimera Scorpion things and all these. This is he was considered like 
he was also considered like the lord of the of the horseman which Horse. is what they called minotaurs i think yeah. um and so th this is this is his continual history that's always talked about him and this this ancient king and i look at all this description of history and then i see in the same worldview that these scriptures are being written these hebrews are living in the midst of greek believing people Greek mythos believing people. John's on the island of Patmos. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. So he's definitely, I mean, and all the supposedly the, the myths of the gods of ancient Greece came from the Mediterranean Sea and the island of Crete. And this is this is the world they're living in. And he's writing scripture and he's talking, he, he names one of these gods that they're all worshiping, that he's the one who was, is not now, but it's gonna come back again. And in the Egyptian writings, there only Osiris is the one that's destined to be resurrected. He is the great Phoenix. Jason, I'm off on that. I think you might be onto something there. <laughs> this is, this is the only one in ancient history and secular uh, religious beliefs of the only God of the family of pantheon of gods that was supposed to actually be resurrected. And, and then of course we see revelation talking about this particular character and all these different references. And I think personally, these chimera scorpions are like an army that's being, all right, so the transhumanism movement escalates to the point where they actually have a host body for unclean spirits to inhabit and fulfill this this purpose here. Now you're nailing it. To to be fair though, there we would have to assume first of all that these creatures were indeed actually real. There's a whole other line of thinking on this that they weren't that that um the whole reason why nimrod was even considered the the lord of the horse was because and not just the lord of the horse many of his names and attributes were because he was a mighty hunter right uh he the reason why he was able to establish his dominion in the first place and this is a this is according to like historical you know historians they say was because of the reason why he was able to establish dominion over people was because he saved them. He was their savior from the wild because the wild was dangerous to weak men and women and children. They, you know, <clears throat> they didn't have, uh, they needed protection from the wild, from the beasts of the field and, and um, all of the predators out there. And he tamed the horse and he, uh, he was able to, create armies uh to de to defend you know and and then there's diana the 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 tower right he, he created he erected these towers and, and um so the mythos version of the mythos interpretation is that these were not actual beings these were just as the years went by the way people in like told the stories to mm -hmm. their people and it became re like religion right um, but not that these creatures actually did exist. It's just the idea was descriptive of real events that took place, right? And I'm not saying that's correct, and I'm not saying that chimeras are were real. I personally can't prove either one, but there, I just wanted to say that there is two ways to look at that. I, I mean, I believe in giants, I have a I have an encyclopedia on giants in North America, you know. Those are chimeras. I, I would say they're Nephilim, right? Yeah. 
Well, it depends on how you use the word Nephilim, half, but half angel, half human, right? I would and, say and now chimeras are not, they're a genetically modified being, right? It's it's literally entangling the DNA and in, in creating embryos, right? That's what a chimera would be, not an angel hybrid. It would be an actual scientific experiment. Yeah, chimera is is a cross mixing of the species. So I species. do I do believe like like with evidence that giants are real. I've seen mm -hmm. evidence, yeah. newspaper clippings, everything, bones, sure. all that. Now, were chimeras real and centaurs and uh, all of these things? I have not seen the evidence for them. I'm not saying they weren't real, or I'm just saying there's another interpretation that these creatures were just. Let me myth. ask you They're myths. They're myths. Okay. Way, a, okay. way to, a way to describe events. And, okay. and, I'm, not, well, and I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> I'm no, not okay. a teacher. <laughs> no, it's okay. Let's just roll with it for a minute. So what yeah. then, if that if that would be the correct interpretation, what is Revelation 9 describing then to, to you? Into that interpretation? The scorpion, the scorpion uh, coming yeah. out? Yeah, bro. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> That's why okay. I'm asking you. I really so don't in the know. same way. In the same way, I would ask that to Marlo. So, if your interpretation of Revelation nine eleven is that it's not who it says it's not this Apollyon character of old of, of history, but it, that it's just a name for something else, well, then what is where does that interpretation go? What's the end of that interpretation? Play the tape yeah. through. The the end of the interpretation is that uh, for five months, wherever that's at on the chronological marker in the eschatological timeline, um, an angel is given the authority to torment or send scorpions on people in the same sense that angels are given the authorities to pour bowls out that destroy thirds of the earth and all other types of things. It's not, it's not outside. It's not so far out of the context of the narrative of what the angels are doing in end times for me to think that that's possibly what's happening. My, and okay. especially when we consider like Egypt, right? So Mike brought up, uh, he brought up um, the, 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 basically the Passover, but okay. prior, prior to that, right. We know that all those plagues, were basically a shot at the gods of Egypt. Okay. So it's not. Okay. It's not. I, I would say that on a on, in a loose way, it's not outside of the the Most High's mo to take a shot at the surrounding nations Elohim by okay. the way that he plagues them. But he doesn't necessarily use their Elohim to plague them. He plagues them himself, and he sends his angels to do it. Well, okay. Well, let's look at the text again, though, because let me okay. let me roll with that. Uh, Suggested interpretation. Yeah, I, Jubilee I'm, says that that Passover it was unclean spirits. By the way, oh word, did the bid. Well, I stand yeah. corrected. I stand corrected. Yeah. Um, real quick. So, if Guys, this just is me one second. I'm gonna have to bow out. Okay, Jason, you've been awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, you joining appreciate us. Appreciate the invite. Nice and I really you, enjoyed the conversation. It's good to meet you. Thank you, brother. Yeah. yeah you too, guys. Take care. Talk to you Thank soon. So in this particular uh, passage where it's describing these locusts, if, if you're saying, is this possibly just a way that the Father is, is issuing judgment on, on those who don't have the seal on their head, the unrighteous in this moment, uh, regardless of where you place this in the timeline leading up to Yeshua's return, mm -hmm. they're only getting tormented for five months, and, you've, and, it, and you're saying that he just sent scorpions to sting them, and they're in pain from that scorpion. If that's the case, why are they described with breastplates of iron? What does that mean in your interpretation? It means that they have breastplates of iron on. So little scorpions have breastplates of iron? Like little... That's not... A, I don't think that anything is outside the realm of possibilities for the most high. If that's what it says, it, it, it could... So like if I try to stomp this scorpion with my shoe, it's going to go clink like metal? I don't know how big they're going to be. 
I don't know. I, okay. I, all I can tell you is what the text says, right? Okay. Now, interpreting it from there is why we have so many different books on Revelation and so many different perspectives and exegetes on, is it America? Is it this nation? Does this mean this? It, somebody might be right about... Well, that, that's all I'm right. asking. I'm not saying you got you to gotta prove uh, well, the suggestive interpretation. Know, I'm just saying... So let's play the tape through on that interpretation and ask, why are we getting all these details in this same passage? Like if I saw a scorpion with a face like a man and hair like a woman, I don't care how big it is. What? Uh, that's crazy, right? So is it small? <laughs> right. Is it big? I mean, it, for the course of the narrative, it would make a lot more sense from what, I, you know, from the, the people who have received this vision and this particular, you know, the people that this is being written to, um, that it's going to be, you know, they would understand the the reference, I guess I should say, because I understand understand how you're presenting it. Um, But I think that that's one methodology in interpret in interpreting it. Right. Like, I think that um, when we start talking about the Bible writers audience, we 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 automatically go into a a realm of talking about way more than we could possibly know as as far as what they might have believed and what. I mean, sure, I'll, I'll agree that there was information maybe about a Apollyon figure or about a Zeus figure or whatnot, but what the Hebrews thought of these figures, right. Um, versus what the Greeks thought is also something that we would have to have dialogue on. And I still feel like the fact that the name Abaddon is given is just as relevant as the name Apollyon being given. If there's ancient, if there's ancient information on this Apollyon figure, right. Do we have anything in the Talmud? Do we have anything in, even if it's a book in the Qumran caves or a scroll anywhere, where Abaddon is, is spoken of as this figure that's supposed to come back and and he fits within this narrative of this beast, sea beast figure that comes out and is everything that we know that the so-called Antichrist or the man of perdition is supposed to be in end times. Um, for me, all I see is that he's active for five months. And I think that because the term bottomless pit is used, I I see why there's such emphasis on, well, it, it, it must be the same this 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 must be the the figure the beast that comes out of the pit because look it says angel of the it's like well i mean maybe i'm not I, it, it could be i don't have a problem with that at all but i mm-hmm. but i think that the language about the sea beast is a lot more specific and i still want to know well what are the seven heads and what are the ten horns right what are the well, seven doesn't heads it tell mean? us in revelation 17 well i'm i'm saying i'm saying i want to know like who really are these people like if if the beast is if the if the beast with seven heads and ten horns, where the the one head is uh, fatally wounded, and then it and then it gets healed. If that okay. whole figure is Nimrod, right? And let's just say that the heads and the horns are maybe different. I don't know entities that he controls. I I want to know who those are, or or maybe how you exegete that. Like how would you exegete the seven heads and ten horns? Because that's something I don't have. I'm I get lost with that. I know in, that the dragon has the same heads. Revelation seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would execute that this beast is the Revelation 9 and Revelation 11 beast. Okay. That they are one and the same. This is the third mention of it, in my understanding. Um, and it, it gets amplified, if you will, that it's specifically a beast who was, is not, and even is of the eighth, and is of the seven and goes into perdition, which is destruction. Okay. And so that's why it says up here further. He is the beast that was, is not, and yet is. I know some translations, some translations say he yet will be. I think this is the KJV. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the KJV. So, um, ultimately, that's why he, you're given a, you know, this is kind of a lot of people love to contrast this with Revelation one about speaking about you know 
the Yeshua who who was and is and right and will come. So there, there's a difference here. But this is a beast who was and is not. So he he's not he's not is now oh, right. he is not gotcha. right. So there's just that little extra um, explanation on who's being referenced here. And this we get a description. He's from the bottomless pit. That he was whatever the, you know. But, what does perdition uh, mean? Destruction. Uh, destruction. Okay. And then the the ten horns. I think it tells us that these are ten kings uh, who give their power to the beast for an hour. Do you and have then, any um, exegete on on who you think that they're going to be in the future, or do you think that that's no, something that's completely no. out? okay? It they're referenced in Isaiah First uh, Enoch sixty two and sixty three Revelation six uh, eleven through fourteen kings right of the here. earth. Yeah, they're just references the kings of the earth. Um, I don't specifically know their names or or if we ever will. Um, um, one of them will probably like, be a rough there's, child. Wait, there's that. There's <laughs> the connection that you were looking for, Marlo. Is, is in 17. It says it about the beast that came up out of the pit and go into perdition. That word perdition right there is Apollyon and uh, Abaddon. Oh, that's deep. That's deep. Perdition, destruction, Abaddon. So, oh, go ahead. So, like so that's that's all I'm saying. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. So this is, to my understanding, this is, you know, all the kings of the earth bow down and kiss the ring of the Pope. So this is, this is the Vatican is built on seven hills mm, geographically okay. in it. I, I was see that just like it's explained earlier about this woman and her allegiance to mother Babylon is that she's the one that sits on the beast and sits over many nations and peoples and tongues, just as the Catholic church does. And just as all the kings of the earth give their allegiance to the papacy in some regard, uh, even U.S. presidents go and kiss the ring of the Pope and hold his hand, all that stuff. So that's that's my interpretation: is that mm -hmm. the the seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman sits. So that's going to be. And this is the daughter. The location of this woman, and then the the ten horns are the kings of the earth, um, who work in conjunction with this woman because that, that's the the priesthood of Babylon. So of course the administering governors, the administering lower kings. This is why in ancient times they had that term king of kings, mm. right? Like an emperor would be a king of kings because Lord he's of over other kings. So this is why in this regard, the 10 kings are over, they have authority of some regard. But they also work in conjunction with the woman, which we see that happening on the earth today. The papacy works in conjunction with the leaders of the earth and manipulate events and cultures and elections, all kinds of things, right? And when that time comes, the beast appears for 42 months. He's going to destroy the woman. Her purpose is done. He doesn't want even a false version of Yeshua being preached anymore. He's about to persecute everybody believing in Yeshua for 42 months and establish, reestablish Babylonian worship. And then these 10 kings, they're no longer working in conjunction with her, but they're now giving their authority to the beast when the time mm, comes. Mm, gotcha. So and it is isn't interesting, by the way, that they just renamed the G7 to the D10. I think that's crazy. <laughs> Sucky, bro. Did you guys see that? The, no, I didn't see that. I wish I wouldn't have known that. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Hang the on. Summit the summit that they be having? The oh. oh, okay. And they named it to uh, what? G7 to... Yeah, I'll pull it up for you real quick. They skipped numbers, huh? Bro, it's about oh, to go yeah. all the way down. Yeah, the Atlanta Council from the G7 to the <laughs> AD10. <laughs> what is that? Uh, I don't understand. Yeah. The the different countries involved in this special council. 
So there were seven, and now there's ten. Now they they changed it to ten. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah. in in just just like two days ago. That's crazy. Mike, if you're still in the audience, I know you're freaking out right now. Uh, you probably already saw this, but he's not he the best out. Okay. Who were the three additionals? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Go read it. Revelation, or not Revelation, but Daniel uh, in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, the feet, uh, okay. iron and clay, ten toes. Um, how do you guys exegete that in conjunction with everything that we're talking about in Revelation? We know that it says that uh, they they will not cling to one another. Right. Um, but I want to know how that fits into your perspective on what's going on in Revelation with regards to these 10 kings and this final kingdom. Go ahead, um, Sean. Is this you talking about this verse right here? Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me see here. And we get the interpretation a little further down, right? The fourth kingdom, which you saw, is strong as iron, for as much as iron breaks in pieces, subdues all things. As iron that breaks all these, shall it break into pieces and bruise. And whereas you saw the feet and the toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it a strength of the iron, for as much as you saw the iron mixed with the miry clay. As the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so this kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And where you saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So me personally, this is my understanding like the 10 kings we just saw from revelation 17 mm -hmm. the chimeric king who comes out full-on nephilim mm -hmm. tries to take over but he can't he doesn't accomplish all he doesn't fully take over all the world never in his full unity months. that's why it's partly strong and partly weak right partly broken because he can't in my understanding, he doesn't accomplish world domination before Yeshua returns. So there's opposition even oh, up yeah. until the end. Yeah. Well, that's why if we look at the succession of events, uh, and I'm going to bring this back up on screen. Let me just put this up for the viewer's sake real quick. If we look at the succession of events of, that's describing the beast during the end times, from, from my understanding of what I've tried to show who the beast is, is that you've got he comes out for 42 months, that's what's the authority that's given to him to make war against the saints. And it says he, he overcomes them. Mm -hmm. So that means he's making war against somebody. Otherwise they would be going along with him and he would not have to war against them. Right. So that's why in revelation 13, they have to enforce the, the mark and allegiance to worship the image of the beast. And if you don't worship, you're killed. So people that that's people are getting killed. Revelation six, the, the the judgment, the uh, fifth uh, seal, Revelation 6. People in Sheol crying out, when are you going to avenge our blood? Mm -hmm. Angels give them their robes of resurrection, say, it's, we just as you were killed, some other people got to get killed. It's not done. The story's not over yet. Be patient. Wait a little bit longer. And uh, so that means there's persecution happening. There's people getting killed. To me, I would synonymously line that up with Revelation 13, first and second beast, persecuting the saints, just like Revelation 12, 17. They got their authority from the dragon. The dragon goes to make war against those key commands of God and testimony of Jesus. That's the persecution statement. The application of that statement comes through the first and second beast going out and making war against the saints. So there is persecution mm -hmm. of people. That is the resistance against him. And I don't think that's all the resistance personally. I think there's other resistance against him from other nations who don't fall for it because that's why he is described in the, the four horses seen in Revelation 6 as one who goes out to make war against the nations. Oh, so, he oh. and death and Hades. 
This is why I've tried to line up the seal judgments in the same 42 month time period as a trumpet. Judgment. So you think, okay. So you think he's the rider on the white horse that goes out? Yeah. Okay. He's the one given. So a do you have do you, on, on, your chron on, on your chronological timeline? Do you have any section for the birth pangs of distress? Yeah, it's, it's constantly leading up to this time and then it's going to increase during this time, just like a uh, birth pangs do, right? They get more in frequency, the closer you get to birth. Check but, out second Baruch. The later yeah. chapters of that for that as well. The yeah, dividings. Well. And this is what Isaiah 66 talks about in verse 7 through 9. Um, verse going on down to verse 10, talking about um the birth pangs of Zion travailing. And then she she gives birth to a boy without travailing, but then she births an entire nation in a day when she does travail. So the actual birth pangs, in my understanding that Yeshua is referring to, is not a, it is times of distress, and there mm -hmm. is earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars, but it's actually a reference leading up to the resurrection of the saints i i agree so birth pangs of distress great tribulation yeshua returns yeah okay now for any of the seals do you you don't place the birth pangs of distress anywhere in those well you they're just happening throughout they're happening throughout and increased okay. frequency this is what second Baruch 27 tries to explain mm, okay that there's there's earthquakes, there's distress, there's war, there's famine, there's conflict, there's burning of cities, and all these are intermingling with each other, leading up to the end of the of the twelve parts of of the end time prophecy. So, so are we? Do you think we're in the birth pangs of distress now? Well, I, no, personally, I mean we've we, you know, there's tribulations, there's wars, earthquakes, there's random earthquakes, yeah. there's a lot of stuff happening. I think well, it's what, because it seems to be increasing, me, but I don't think Revelation started yet. If, if that's what you're actually well, asking, no, well, no, I'm just asking because I, when I read the seals, I, I've always read that as the birth pangs of distress. I have, I don't, I don't read those as anything else. Um, but maybe you can enlighten me if you don't feel that that's the birth pangs of distress. Like, do you have any anything in there that could show me, like this definitely can't be. Uh, the seals being the birth pangs of distress, because that would that would that would place okay. the seals at a different chronological timeline than, um, than the trumpets. Okay, so you're at which? Are you asking if the seals themselves are are speaking about birth pangs? Yeah, connecting the birth pangs with the seal. Yeah, in Revelation six. Okay, so Re Revelation six, I'm I'm thinking, Luke twenty one ten, Matthew twenty four. Okay. You know, the, the text where he says specifically, you know, like it's going to be bad, but the mm -hmm. end is not yet. Nation's going to rise against nation. There's going to be famine, famine and pestilences and food shortages and whatnot. But the end is not yet. Then after that, the Great Tribulation takes place. Right. Well, see, that's, would, that's what I was going to say. Oh, though, And that's that's where um, Mike talking earlier kind of comes into play about the last 2000 years, which mm. is we've had we've seen famine, distress. Fightings of wars, nations, wars, and wars, and wars. Are the are the two thousand years not birth pangs? But yeah, that you could easily call them as birth pangs, but like increasing, increasing as throughout labor right? or up to the up to labor. If I if I'm to believe what we're told by um, what is it geologists that there's an increasing amount of earthquakes every year and they keep increasing, that's what they're saying. I mm -hmm. I don't have the instruments to test their data. Right. Oh, yeah, and I'm not but... at their facilities watching, you know, the, the needle move. But that's what they keep saying, that mm -hmm. we're continually getting more earthquakes every year. Um, as far as significantly, can I notice whether there's more war? I don't know. I mean, it's like it seems like there's always been war as long yeah. as 
we're just lucky in this generation in this culture that we haven't seen it because we're we have such a strategic position and we have just not in our own yard you know often right yeah facts it's a lot of hurricanes over here in louisiana well, I mean, I grew up in Oklahoma where they have a thousand tornadoes. Tornadoes. Every year. That's Tornado Alley right there. You know bro. what I'm saying? But yet what? now I live in a place where they have one tornado every 10 years. So the people that live here can move to Oklahoma and think the end times is happening. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like my, yeah. my wife freaks out the idea that, oh, that, that cloud looks ominous. I'm like, oh, that's nothing. Yeah, like I've outran tornadoes on the, on their highway with my, oh, in, in my vehicle. I was just looking up the other night about tsunamis. Did y'all know that on average, like a tsunami doesn't even reach a hundred miles inland? Oh, it reaches wow. like an average of twenty to thirty. Wow! Because tsunamis, we we get these ideas of what movies display them as like and, bigger than right. skyscrapers. They're <laughs> often like a hundred feet. They might peak at two hundred, but by the time they hit land, they're not near that tall. Yeah. So they do a lot of damage, but they don't reach inland too to much. Co- only to coastal cities, though, right? Yeah, right. So, so sure, I mean, we're trying to define the birth pangs. I mean, to me, that was a, um, like you just said, Yeshua talked about that. Then he said about this great tribulation. Then he said immediately after the great tribulation, you have that last trumpet, the opening of the you know the sky, the stars fall to the earth, you, the Son of Man is seen in the sky returning with his holy angels. So there is a correlation of birth pangs leads up to, right tribulation and at the end of the tribulation immediately after that is the return of yeshua so that's is that a decent answer what you no, absolutely absolutely okay. so for for me so when the sixth trumpet is blown right that's where you get the two witnesses now the, the three and a half period that they're uh preaching and and you know um they're preaching against the antichrist figure you would agree with that I'm going back to the text real quick. I'd say they'd be preaching the gospel of the kingdom as well as maybe against the the enemy. Absolutely. When when is the five months? Is that at the beginning of the... Mike, hold on real quick. When he comes out? I'm sorry. Well, The sixth sixth trumpet is in Revelation 9, uh, verse 13. Oh, sixth trumpet, yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't, or at least the text in Revelation 11 doesn't signify that the blowing of the sixth trumpet is when the two witnesses come out. Okay, let me see. So that's where that's, my bad. that's why I always try to show it tells you in Revelation 11. Um, I got it on screen here how the, the time that the two witnesses are given to prophesy 1,203 uh, score days, that's 1260, which is 42 months. Can you go down a little bit where it says the beast, the beast that comes, yeah, out of the bottomless pit will make war against them? Well, the first few times I've read this, I thought that that meant that. They, they go, they're preaching for 42 months, and at the end of their 42 months, then the beast comes out of the pit and kills them. Right. You're saying no? No. Okay. No, because of the uh, them getting resurrected and taken up. That's right. Yeah, we and covered they that earlier. Finish, then they finish their testimony? Right. Okay. After after 42 months, the, the two witnesses are done prophesying, and they're done having the play, having the power to you know smite the earth with all types of plagues as they choose. So this is part of the distresses, by the way, and the and the tribulations. Part yeah. of the increased birth pangs is when the, the two witnesses arrive. So here's what I'm trying to say, guys. My understanding of this is it's very simple. You will not miss when Apollyon shows up. Facts. You will not miss when these two witnesses show up because they'll be here at the same time. Apollyon, the destroyer, shows up and he starts destroying, going out to conquer nations, going out to persecute the saints. At the same time, these two dudes are empowered by the Father to show up 
and to buffet against things happening by the destroyer. And nobody can kill them. Nobody can kill them for 42 months. That's crazy. Do, do you think that these people will be that these two will be known worldwide or will it be localized? These these two dudes are Brody. Like, like <laughs> no, but I'm saying, but like, will the system allow people to see this on the other side of uh, the map? You know what I'm saying? Like, will yeah, they be I'm, worldwide known or will this just be like a uh, I think localized? Thing. Unless they unless they have a full lockdown on all video social media worldwide, I right. think it'll be hard to hide. It, exactly, they'll be holding back the rain. Fire will be coming out of their mouths. They'll be smiting yeah. Earth with plagues. That people are going to catch this on video. It's going to make so some headway. This, this is why it's such an amazing, uh, in my opinion, this is like a huge moment of of uh, encouragement during this troubling tribulation time. Is that these two guys have this power to, to like old school prophets to really strike fear in the hearts of the kings of the earth and also and even to, encourage, to encourage the people to keep pushing, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. And what are they going to be talking about? Clothed in sackcloth and prophesying <laughs> for 42 months. Repentance. Repentance. And <laughs> the, the gospel of the and kingdom. What, what, includes... what happens at the end of their prophesying? Yeshua returns and the kingdom comes. Three days the after the day. All the prophets. Imagine, guys, if you don't understand biblical cosmology and you're looking at these guys talking about there's a city of 1,500 square miles coming down out of the sky here in the next two months. Get ready. <laughs> Get ready. Oh, now we're, at, now we're at 45 days. Now we're at 60 days. Oh, and man. then he just turns and stops this dude from trying to kill him. And then he comes back to continues talking. Like, I don't know how this is going to look in practicality. All I know is I don't know if people are going to bring them food and water. I don't know how this is going to look. All Some I know boss. is they can't be killed for 42 months. And they're prophesying consistently. And they will be prophesying the same eternal gospel that the angel shouts from the sky. It's the kingdom comes. The kingdom will come. And with the kingdom comes the king. That means all you bad guys are going to be taken out of, the, out of the game. And there'll be peace on the earth. And all this sorcery, all this nonsense, all this, this oppression of mankind is going to stop. You know? And this is, this is why, from my understanding, my, my view of putting together Revelation, it all escalates and culminates with the beast returning. The king of Babylon, Babylon is destroyed. The king of Babylon is destroyed. All his minions are destroyed, and a new kingdom is established. Woo! The kingdom of God. That's our hope. That is the foundation of our faith, and that we are raised yeah. to eternal life. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's. I mean, we we're at three hours and eighteen minutes. I'm sure you guys are getting tired. Very tired. So we can we can ask it like a few last questions if y'all want to wrap it up. Though, um, I won't blame you. You know. What I think is cool is just that that time marker, the time qualifier we're given that he only reigns for 42 months that and if we can accept that he is the one that comes out at the fifth trumpet, then there's there's 42 months between the fifth and the seventh trumpet. Right. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Long time. okay so, that, so, so then the two witnesses would have come at the fifth trumpet then. Uh, yes, because the 40, exactly. Okay. So that I got my trumpets mixed up then. Okay. So then that's okay. Okay. If you have a chance uh, without just I didn't want to just repeat my entire uh, part 15 that I just did on investigating Babylon. But that, that is a lot about what we were talking about tonight. And so some of those slides I showed earlier with some of the little break, I was showing you like three slides out of a hundred, right? So I systematically go through the seal trumpet and bold judgments and the timeline in revelation with, with part 15. So if you have a chance to check it out, it'll, it'll probably uh, fill in some of the gaps maybe, but still I, it gotta, requires. You've, you've got a couple of clips where you just talk about the timeline. I've seen that one. I was hoping no, we'd this, be able to get into that a little bit more, but maybe uh, next that, time. Well, that actually is not um, 
that's just with like specific events uh, after the 42 months is over, going into Yeshua returning, the millennial reign happening. You're talking about New so, Heaven, New Earth? Yeah, New Heaven, New Earth one. Yeah. I mean, I can pull up that graphic if you ask a question about it, if you have a question about it real quick. It's not a problem. Oh, well, I, I mean, if you're closing up the show, I don't want us to end up talking about it. <laughs> no, well, 30 I mean, more minutes. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. It's it's a... Uh, I mean, okay. Um, I can, yeah, go I ahead. Can, pull, yeah, let's all the scriptures I can expound on real quick. Cool, Bubba. Appreciate that. No problem. That was a morning cup of context. Let me go into my folder here. I, yeah, and I want to... Um, maybe one day um, really have like a, a, a deep dialogue about Ezekiel and the last chapters in Ezekiel because 37, 38, 39, 40 and all that. And, and, and I, I feel like that's something that never really gets brought up in discussions about eschatology. And for me, that just, it causes me to proceed with a great amount of caution when, when I'm trying to figure out who's who and, and stuff like that. But let's see, yeah, let's check out this graphic. Yeah. I mean, I can just tell you real quick, my understanding 38 and 39 is the day of the Lord's return to Yeshua. You can match up the destruction of the armies in 39 with Revelation 19. Revelation same, 19. same fire, hell and plague that's coming down and the same birds being called to eat and feast on the kings of the flesh and the mighty horses. It's the same destruction happening um, leading up to the return. You so you think that, that Gog of Magog is a a euphemism to talk about that final kingdom? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because he's pulling people from all over. Okay. Uh, and that's to me, that's my understanding of, well, specifically Gog referenced in 38, I think is another idiomatic reference to this, to this great king. Ah, Whereas Revelation understood. 20 talks about Gog and Magog. That to me, from my understanding of the rest of scripture, seems to be a, a geographical idiom for pulling people from all regions. Okay. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where Ezekiel 38 doesn't say Gog and Magog, it just says Gog and talks about him as a king versus Satan deceiving people from Gog to Magog, which were mm -hmm. geographical locations. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I got this on screen here. And uh, is this what you're asking about? Yeah. This is, I, I, yeah, this is the one I saw. Okay. Okay. So boom, boom. So, so when you say millennial reign timeline, are you saying that he starts reigning at the first trumpet? Okay, no, no, no. Last trumpet, first resurrection, worldwide yeah, earthquake. I apologize. Earthquake. I mean, I titled this because I I think it was a part of the video as well. But oh, so it goes it. it goes into the millennial reign, and a lot of it I preface it with um, um, the the at the beginning of this little graph here with. As you can see, the 42 months, Raymond Apollyon and the two witnesses are right before the graph starts. And so then the first line of the graph is the last trumpet. Understood. Because in Revelation 11, when they blow the seventh and last trumpet, the angels say, now you've taken your authority and begun to reign. Mm. The kingdom mm -hmm. of the earth has become the kingdom of the Lord's. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Resurrection of the saints taken to Zion above. Okay. So. Okay. So when uh, Gog, Gog and Magog, it, right before Satan is let out of the abyss, or, or no, no, okay. no, excuse me, after he's let out of the abyss, because he's the one that goes and deceives right. them. Yeah. Okay. You believe, you, you believe that the kingdom and the saints are going to be um, above, like no, not on, on the, the ground. The New okay. Jerusalem is described in Revelation 20, 21 to come down to the ground. Down that sits happens. on the... Yeah, it's 1,500 square miles. It is the promised land that comes down 
and fulfills the promised land between the Euphrates and the Nile spoken to Abraham. And the nations are still around. Uh, they encamp around the New Jerusalem. The mortal survivors the of the nations are living outside of the New Jerusalem. Yeah. Zechariah okay, 14, so also in Revelation 27 through 10. And the law goes out to the nations from New Correct. Jerusalem. Okay, yeah, hold on real quick. Because you all know I'm slow. <laughs> oh, wait. You know what? Let me find the. This is the problem. Let me find the graphic where um, I have the actual scriptures attached to them. I'm sorry about that. I'm giving you. It's all good. Let it, it's going to load. This uh, this series is how I found your channel. Morning oh, yeah? Context. Yeah, I was learning oh. about the Aryan controversy, and then I came across your channel. <laughs> oh, okay. wow. Okay. Yep. Um. So last trumpet resurrection. It's kind of distorted. Is, is there any way you can zoom in real quick? Unfortunately. Okay. Know. Let me see if I can do something on my end. Okay. I'm good. I just zoomed in. All right. Okay. So, last trumpet, first resurrection, worldwide earthquake, resurrection, saints take, taken to Zion above. Last trumpet, Yeshua returns. Okay. So, you wouldn't put last trumpet, Yeshua returns, and last trumpet, first resurrection just as the same block? No, I, I try to differentiate. Um, just even though it, you're right, it's, it's not the best graph. I'm not, I don't profess to be great at graphs. But I just put them as a little divider line in between to show the difference between actions, between so, the last trumpet and the actual angels that come to receive the harvest. Same okay. angels in Matthew 13, 30 that take the wheat to the barn are the mm -hmm. angels in Revelation 14 that are ready to uh, harvest the good angels um, that want to harvest. There's there's two different angels being referenced. One's the bad angels and are not the bad. One is the angels to harvest the bad people, the, the tares. That are going to be mm -hmm. bound so they can be burned. And then there's other angels that are coming to rescue or take away the, the newly resurrected saints to Zion above to get away from the indignation of the Lord. And so that's why I put that, that bar in the middle of it. You're right. It could all be one big block, those three events. But I just try to show a differentiation so people know there's an action happening there and that Yeshua is returned. That's why I put these together because in First Thessalonians 4, uh, 13 through 17, Paul explains that the moment that the saints are being taken up by the angels to the design to the new Jerusalem, they meet Yeshua in the air. In the coming. air. Right. Right. So he's coming down and we see him. We on meet his him way in down. the air. Yeah. I, I, Give I him a high five on the way. Word, word. We, we greet the king as he's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Coming in. But so I guess the part that I guess I, that throws me through a cognitive dissonance is uh, the idea that we are being, if we make it Lord willing, um, taken before the bowls get dumped out and there's all this destruction on the earth yeah i didn't even put as you can see i didn't even put the bowls in here i understand but but because i've you've let me know so i'm trying yeah. to think like okay so because in my mind my eschatological time my birth pangs of distress great tribulation um and what does he say in matthew he said so that before so that all flesh is not destroyed um the days be shortened right yeah. Okay, so he the trumpet is blown. I would say that that's the seventh trumpet. We're gathered from the four corners of the earth to meet him in the air, and then mm -hmm. we come down to rule. But that's after all the balls and all that type of stuff have already taken place. So in my mind, we weren't shielded from that. We we were we, there. Go ahead. Well, that's that is what Isaiah twenty six uh, nineteen through twenty one says. That's why I put it above this, this block here, is that it actually says that. Um, 
Well, I'll read it real quick. Take them, them into their rooms. Yeah, let me. Let me hide. Okay, so so we meet him as he's coming down, and then the bowls are poured out. Yeah. So as we're being, uh, this is taken Eight. away. The bowls are being poured out as he's coming down. Yeah, but we're not going to obviously be hit by the bowls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're we're being the whole point of us being taken is to be protected. Um, and this is where people get that, you know, take that harpazo word out of context and right and facts. start to preach the the rapture idea. And, so, and the days are shortened so that the nations will have a chance to survive. Yeah, that's why it says no flesh would survive. We're not right. going to be flesh anymore. We're not going to at least we're going to be glorified. Oh, I see what you're saying. See what I mean? Yeah. But we're not going to be mortal. With the, the resurrected sins won't be mortal. All right. So here in, in Isaiah 19, uh, your dead will live; their bodies will rise. The, the resurrection, mm -hmm. awaken, seeing you who dwell in the dust, for your dews like the dew of the morning, and the earth will bring forth her dead. Go, my people, into your rooms and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves a little while until the wrath has passed. There it is. One of those rooms. Hold, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will reveal her bloodshed when the Lord recovers his land. So there's a sequence of events happening here. The mm -hmm. Resurrection, taken into your room. Where's your room? It's the place he prepared for you. Many rooms. Many do, you think, do, you, do you think in verse 20 he's talking to the resurrected saints or do you talk, think he's talking to people who, do you think he's just saying, hey, go hide? Well, go this hide is why until, I think. Until the wrath, un hide yourselves for a little while until the, until the wrath has passed. This is why I think if you understand Joel 1 2, which I put on screen as well, um, oh, that's not the wrong one. Sorry. Or Psalm 27 5, for in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. That's Lift too. me up on a rock. But that's why I put this this right after the last trumpet when Yeshua returns, this next block about mm -hmm. Joel 2 1 through 11. Okay. And the armies of the Lord Land come down and they're burning everything. Yeah. It's the same thing that's in uh, Matthew 13 about the angels that come down and separate the wicked from the righteous. So they're actually the weak. Did, did you guys? Yeah. the Well, they're not, not, not technically the, the reference here to my understanding is that they're coming down to clear the entire land where the new Jerusalem is going to sit down. So anyone left <laughs> okay. within that land, that's why Yeshua Matthew 24 tells you, you know, when you see the son of man, son coming and set you the abomination of desolation and pray that, pray that your flight does not happen on Sabbath or pregnant, Word. Word. Flee the mountain, get out of there. Right. Gotcha. Because not only is that great earthquake going to happen on the seventh trumpet, uh, in the city. So you don't want to be in new Jerusalem as well, but you also want to get out of there as fast as you can, mm. because the angels that are coming down are going to, there's simultaneously, there's an army attacking Jerusalem that the angels come down and fight. And, there's another whole group that's coming down to north of Israel, about 200 miles in the Valley of Jezreel, which is the Valley of Garmageddon, to do that battle there. And that's mm. where the blood's going to pile up to the horse's bridle because of the amount of people that are slain. And then all that land is just filled with death. That these it's angels, burned, right? These, these Joel 2 angels came down, as it, as it describes, they don't break ranks, swords can't kill them, people are terrified. The angels of the Lord that come in, these are nobody can best these guys. They're killing everything. That's only the people that are trying to kill them, obviously. Space Everyone else force. needs to get out of there, right? And then they burn everything. They burn the whole land. They they basically imagine like um, if you demolished a house, you would want to treat the, the land before you build another house on top of it. So that's what's happening. This whole area where New Jerusalem is set down, these angels come through and they burn with fire, which is what's described in, in that passage in Joel 2. Mm. That's that's just one of the many things that's happening during this day. Uh, I can talk at another time about the block below, the Leviathan and Behemoth. 
um, but that's a whole nother concept about the earthquake and this yeah this yeah whole, I'm, I'm familiar with that one yeah, yeah there's a lot going on on this moment but the point about the uh the resurrected saints have to be taken away from all this and any mortal that's not resurrected they need to be told to get as far away from this area as possible if they can as well flee to the mountains of Jude. flee out of this area because this is where this battle is going to be taking place and you just you don't want to be collateral damage so gotcha. with that said the angels then and, and matthew 13 49 through 51 they're going to then separate the this is what i believe zephaniah chapter one is talking about they're going to search jerusalem door to door with lamps room by room the angels of the lord in great numbers are going to go through every single city and village where any any person is and move them away from this place that they're about to the entirety of the sure, 1500 square miles what that's deep go ahead they're I'm gonna, sorry i'm listening because all it's describing is a process all it's describing is them the angels of god come back with yeshua taking care of the the battle that's circumstantial that's just getting them out of the way so they can prepare the land for the city to set down all this is about the city sitting down so then once they clear out the bad guys those are dead then they clear out the you know the the innocents right who will later be judged Man, once the city up. sets down they have to clear this whole land so they can burn it with fire and purify it because that's Torah. Got to purify the land and mm, purify mm, the golden right. idols and all the things that are the wicked, all the machinations of the wicked and all the idolatry. So then this righteous, pure city can set down on a clean, purified spot. And then all the nations in Isaiah 2, 2 through 5, Matthew 25, 31, all mm. the nations are brought to Yeshua to be judged for the Matthew 25 sheep and goats judgment. These are all mortals that weren't resurrected. Right. So as Enoch, I can't remember the, the passage right now. There's uh, first Enoch talks about um, the saints and the elect ones will be in the kingdom when the nations are brought forth for judgment by by mm -hmm. the Yeshua, by the the one on the throne. So you, I do believe judgment you'll be in the starts with the house of God. Well, yeah, we we get that is a part of our judgment to be deemed whether we're in the resurrection or not, right? right. That's why we're resurrected first before all these other people are judged. Right, right. right. I, I cover that in a morning cup of context. Who's judged first? And so that's where you've got um, we're already resurrected, glorified bodies, part of this Melchizedek priesthood with Yeshua under his authority inside the New Jerusalem. And then all the nations are going to come to the New Jerusalem and come inside the New Jerusalem to step before the throne and see Yeshua and see the lake of fire in the valley to his left. And then they're going to stand judgment, sheep and goats, right? That's why the sheep are told, come, inherit the kingdom of prayer for you before the foundation of the world. They don't get to live there at that moment. They're going to have to go outside and camp around it and live out the rest of their mortal life, take part in the second resurrection, get their glorified body so they can inherit the kingdom, which is the promise of the covenant. But they got to see the kingdom. They get to go in it. They're going to get to go in it for every feast day. Into the court, right? As long as they're clean, right? As long as mm -hmm. they've done the law, the Torah. The, all now, those guys, the, the whole Torah is prep is practice for how mortals will interact with the kingdom facts when it rain now that so but the so you were separating the sheep and the goats judgment from the second yeah, yeah okay okay yeah yeah the, the sheep and the goats judgment is for the mortal survivors of the nations after the, the tribulation the when the facts. kingdom has come set down right the son of man's here he judges the leftovers that the ones that weren't in covenant that mm. didn't make that resurrection but they didn't deserve the judgment of being taken out because God, flesh, the flesh that yeah. survived 
Yeah. Right. Which makes sense. It's on the mercy seat, not to come down and kill everybody's seat. And that makes sense because the graphic specifically says millennial reign timeline. That'll be after the millennium reign is, is over with. What, then that judgment takes what place. What is? So which one? The second so, judgment. The second judgment. The, fi the, yeah, final the great judgment. white drone. The right. Great white, yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's okay. Yeah. But this is where something really amazing that I've never even thought of before I heard it from Sean, though, is that. So these people of the nations that are left over, they're you know, what are they going to be judged on during Which this sh this she sheep and goat? Uh, well, that's yeah, it's Torah. Exactly. He says it in Matthew twenty five, where you know you did these things for me, and they're like, when did we do those things? When, yeah, they, they don't know that they're following Torah. They're just yeah. good people. You yeah. know what I mean? They weren't murderers. They weren't rapists. Well, they they you were what doing what, what Paul says in and uh, Romans mm -hmm. two seven through sixteen. They are. Their hearts, their conscience, either confirming them or, or defending mm -hmm. them or accusing them on the day they stand judgment for Yeshua, right? So the, the Gentiles who don't have a law, you know, they're they're the the laws. They are proof that the law is written on their heart when they follow their conscience, right? I, I'm paraphrasing what Paul says in those eight verses, but I think you guys think, know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think too. Um, they might also be people because this is something I've always thought that, you know, they might not be um the most religious people in the world right. or anything like that but when 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 it's when it hits the fan and they see how they're treating people who do actually serve the most high they might give people lodge or might help because one of the right. things yeshua says to them is well when you did it for one of the least of my brethren That's you right. did it for me right and so and, i've always what go ahead Bubba. hallelujah and what just happened for 42 months prior to this moment the the oh, world persecuting the saints facts and so these unbelievers are going to see that and they're going to be like, well, you know, maybe they do give lodge to, to saints and maybe they, there are some Anne Franks. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, especially, especially what's going on right now, because there's a lot of people who are against this thing that's being pushed on onto people for different reasons than us. Right. Yeah. We know our disposition is Torah first, the most right. high standards first. They're not necessarily having that perspective, but they're looking around like, man, this stuff don't make no sense. They're doing too much. And I think that those those type of people are going to be the ones that look at the most highest people in, 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 the, in those days and say, you know, hey, man, if you need anything, I got you, you know, type deal. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of good hearted people out there that just don't understand good theology or facts who Yeshua is and but yet they have they are obeying their conscience to to walk out tour where they realize they're not and right. that's seems to be the standard that he judges them off of which to their surprise they're like oh well, this is awesome right I, can, I actually get to hang out in your kingdom and think about all the things they witnessed leading up to that moment like they they now know all those sheep those right. mortals that survived they now know Literally, as they've got some Leviathan still on their teeth, <laughs> they now know that they don't live in a globe, that they live in a big room covered by a firmament. They now know that heaven is above them, the kingdom of heaven, all the angels live above them and came down. They now saw this massive continent-sized city descending. I think it's going to happen over a week's time mm. because that's our that's our preordination that's happening with the resurrected saints on the inside. Leviticus 8. So I, I think that it's all of this is is they're going to see all that stuff. Right. Right, and then they're going to come on, you know, and some of them are still going to be deceived at the end. Yeah, of the there, there's some people that still won't repent, <laughs> right. just like some right. of those people still didn't repent when the bull judgments were poured out. Even right. when Yeshua's literally coming down through the sky, bull judgments pouring out, fire being dropped on certain people, hailstones, you know, and they're still not going to repent of they're their wickedness. Mm -hmm. But back to back to the sheep, though, and it's 
whoever laxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. There's a hierarchy. They're still in the kingdom, though, even though they didn't follow all the laws because they were taught not to. Right. But but they did obey their conscience. Right. And they were trying Mm -hmm. to do what they thought was right. They, they, they may have uh, missed out on some commandments because they were taught not to obey them, right? But they're still considered a part of the con- a part of the kingdom, and they're still sheep, right? Yeah, just as just as many of the resurrected saints will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not, none of us are got it all done. None of us have no doubt. got it all no figured doubt. out or perfect <laughs> right. or nothing. Um, no. Man, I was trying to find that that verse I just read on tour portions last week. Um, uh, I think it was in tour portions. I, I do so many broadcasts. I can't remember anymore. <laughs> um, where I read that there's all this, uh, the West place. Do you remember me talking about that verse? Talking about the, um, all the people right across the world will persecute the people of God. I think it was in the second Ezra chapter 16. Let me pull it up real quick. If you guys don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I'm about go, to have to dip too. sleep man. I'm just... <laughs> I just want to uh, thank you guys for inviting me and thinking of me. This was a, I hope my comments weren't divisive or anything, you know, that's what I wanted. I wanted you, I wanted people to ask good questions and, uh, you know, challenge these things and that you guys can lay out what you're thinking and how you're reading this and researching it. And I can lay out the same. No doubt. I really appreciate every, all three of you guys. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I don't have a stance yet. I'm, I'm really, I'm not ready to take a stance. You know, I want to be, I want to, I want to equip myself to where I can feel like I'm confident, you know, and all three of y'all have been a great help in, in helping me do that. And, uh, you know, I make music, but I am not a teacher and I want everybody to, to know that I'm not trying to teach anybody. You know, okay. all I can tell you brothers, the commentaries of men can often be very confusing, right? We just need to have our, our ground, you know, foundation built on the, the scriptures and know them so that we can be able to Agreed. interpret them better. Agreed. Well, I appreciate you brothers and shalom to all of you. Yeah. Much right. love to you. Morning, Mikey. Yep. Awesome, brother. See you next time. Um, I, I, this is probably the last thing I'll pull up guys. Um, all right. Did you find it? I didn't, I don't remember what you were talking about, brother. I may have missed that part. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's in uh 16. It's just talking about, um, People all across the world, all, believers all across the world, will be suffering persecution from everybody from all nations. So that would make sense if they're falling into the deception through the mark of the beast and through the beasts. You know, the, it says the world wonders after the beast. So yeah, there's. I think it's going to be there will be people that get sold in the deception of the beast, and there's other people that that will be what Yeshua said, the cheap, right? Where they saw the least his brethren. And they did Torah to them. They showed kindness, mercy, hospitality, mm. whatever to them during mm. not just their regular life, but also during this tribulation time, uh, because not everybody's going to fall for the beast. Just like uh, Westway is aptly put earlier, Satan's really not that powerful. You just got to stand up to him. Uh, the beast may be able to kill you, but I mean, come on now. Let just I, may may the Father give me the passion and the the courage. 
to be Obi-Wan Kenobi at my desk <laughs> and say, strike me down. I should be hey, more powerful than that's... you can ever imagine. I am willing rather to be absent from the body, right? That's right. Because the mo- the next time the B sees me, I'm coming out the ground glorified, dressed in white, and he's going to be scrambling and running for me because I then will be a thousand times more powerful than his Amen. little Nephilim body ever could be. So, you know, imagine Satan. This is the crazy part. Imagine Satan gets out after a thousand years, gets out of a hole in the ground to see an entire kingdom on earth and filled with glorified saints by the Lord willing billions, but who knows, hundreds of millions. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, I had Yeshua. Now I got all these little Yeshuas to deal with. Like they're all the, you know, they all were given the promise he was given. They're man, all given deep. this glorified state. And Glor- like, imagine yeah, right. his mind of like, you know, if, if it was hard enough against the angels in Yeshua, now I've got all this, you know, Yeshua multiplied by all these other glorified saints. And so I, like, he's just talk about just fighting a, a losing cause, you know, he's just uh, madness, absolute madness. He'll be laying open from thigh to neck. Yeah. That beast. The so Assyrian. guys, this was an awesome discussion. Thanks so much uh, for joining me and um, being willing to ask questions and, and being, you know, being willing to, you know, interrupt me and me let me interrupt you and just so we get clarity you know to figure out like what are you asking what are you saying because sometimes the connection is bad or just as a host i'm always trying to make sure i'm trying to put myself in the seat of the audience to make sure they're following Hmm. you know so if i I like take myself out of sean's brain i think all right if i'm listening to this did i understand west blaze's breakdown of what he's asking you know sure and so that's why sometimes i interrupt and i'm like you know hey can you explain this or that or what are you, what are you what are you using to define this word you know so yeah. thanks for your patience when i do that guys um as you've seen i've interviewed other people who don't like that and uh they get upset but you guys are awesome had a great show great patience tonight yeah, no worries and, uh, and anybody who hung in here for three hours and 45 yes. minutes y'all are awesome and troopers hey, and we real. appreciate you not just anybody. It says that we got in the chat alone 156 people. At one Mercy. point, what? it was 210. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not even that's not the actual full number as far as who's watching. So no, of course. I think uh, I mean people are super interested in this topic, and that's why right. it's so challenging. Tonight, I I put up bowl seal trumpet judgment breakdowns very briefly, <laughs> which as you saw weren't even included in the little millennial rain timeline breakdown because i just couldn't fit it all like there's so i just there's there's so much going on this is like three years ago when when adam fink he asked ken and i if we want to do a show on his channel and i was like yeah i got a great idea all, all the details of your shoes return and adam was like sure it sounds great and then i told ken about it and ken was like you know how much how many episodes that would be i'm like yeah, I, do. <laughs> I was like the people need to know this like that's a lot it's right there's literally dozens of things happening at the same time this is why it's so difficult in my opinion it's been so difficult for people to figure out and understand especially because they just stick with revelation in my opinion right. the old Facts. testament preps you for revelation so like you've heard me saying on the broadcasts and let and like study the old testament super well study enoch super well and then by the time you get to revelation you realize it's just repeating everything yeah. with a little extra detail sprinkle in but ultimately sure. the big ideas are just being repeated from Ezekiel, um, Isaiah. Yeah, and that's a claim that I make that, you know, I challenge everyone listening to test me on that. Study the Old Testament super well and first Enoch. And then by the time you get to Matthew 24 and, you know, Matthew 13 and all of Revelation, Second Thessalonians 8, like you just realize, oh, I got it. I know. It all yeah. fits together so beautifully. And yeah. I think we did a decent job of, of culminating it and bringing it together to explain some things that, that really seem to make sense for, for Marlo and other people. So Word. I enjoyed Word. it. But yeah. let's get out of here, brothers. 
Appreciate you guys. Um, everyone put up the thumbs up, like, go visit West Blaze Music, go visit Mike Maranatha, go visit Marlo Jean. He just dropped a new track, Fan Fed. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. good. Fire. It's good. Calm. Enjoying it, brother. More to come. Good. And uh, nice. yeah, we need a, We need a new track to premiere on Uncommon Ground again soon. So let's get, we got to get back to work. Right, I'm with it. And I let's heard um, that you guys were working on something, right? Oh, yeah. Super secret, top secret. Yeah, no, we, we got music for sure. Yeah. We're putting it together. We <laughs> well, I heard just no like surprise little, there. <laughs> like you, you sent me a little taste just uh, a few months ago, uh, West Place. That what I heard with them was amazing. So I'm cool. excited for when you guys get ready. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank I appreciate. It. Love you guys. And uh, we'll, you too. Uh, thank you, everyone in the chat. We'll talk to you later. Later on. All right, shalom. I'm out.